I will actually stream myself trying to eat part of a hat if this guy is insane in legacy. Challenge accepted. No. Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 94, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. I, I almost said this from memory. <laughs> Callum, hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, good, good. It's a Wednesday evening, ready to rock, talk about some new cards. Um, yeah, ready to go. How about you? How are you doing? Like on the last episode, you told us that you, you, you potentially had some issues with COVID, but I think fortunately that nothing really came off it, right? Yes, yes. So um, the person I live with that had it they're better pretty much um i didn't catch it no one else in the house called it i'm back to work yay <laughs> everything is it <laughs> everything's carrying on but uh it was a bit of relief it was a bit of a scary patch because you never really know but uh yeah you know Plus, what i found disgusting the when when the whole thing started out in europe um you know first of all it hit italy pretty hard so mm -hmm. we we had a thing in, in southern germany where if you had been in an area where they have like a lot of cases you have to self-quarantine for 14 days so there actually were people who drove to like northern italy and then back immediately again just to get basically 14 days of work and i mean that's that's the most disgusting thing ever and i mean it's almost a year ago but i will never forget it because i've had some people tell me about it that friends of theirs did it and i don't know man this is this is I mean, one of those things where if if they put it like into a movie, people would be like, "Yeah, dude, this is this is a little bit too crazy." Nobody like would go into into this zombie infested area or whatever just to get a couple of days. I mean, this tells you how desperate people are for a little bit of free time. On the other hand, true, so. true. To play like slightly devil's advocate, um, at that point in time, it was obviously it was serious in Italy, but we still didn't really know much about it. I, I can't remember exactly the time frame you mean then. Maybe it was too deep into it, but they might have just been like, oh, yeah, this is going to pass within a month. I might as well take advantage of it while I can. Yeah, I fair. But Maybe not, but... Oh, no. well, it's still... It's still in, hind in hindsight, <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's not what happened on your end. But you, you did... Were you asked to, like, work from home, or could you really just, like, chill out a little bit and relax? Um, so I, I'm the only person in the company that really, really can't work from home to do what I usually do, so... I found other jobs to do. Like I'm on emails and I was calling and emailing quite a lot. And um, I just did some like audits on our website and stuff and just did really, really boring jobs. My, my brain melted a bit, it felt like. But I did. I was working still like eight hours a day properly. You had also a very interesting influence on our Discord. Like the, the other day, or it wasn't actually <laughs> today, when I got up and I, I looked into our deck building. Oh, my channel. God. You guys were talking about the craziest stuff. Like I saw people talk about how to break coalition victory, and in none of the the, the <laughs> um, deck lists that people posted, there was a coalition victory. And only later was I introduced to the concept that it's actually in the sideboard, and I'm still not sure what, what it's doing there. And for those who don't know, um, I think coalition victory is like a six. No, no, wait, it's eight like an eight mana card. And you win if you control a basic land of each type, and I think like a permanent of each color or something. Like, uh, guys, what, what have you been drinking? 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of each color to cast, and then three colorless. And it's a sorcery, so obviously there's Burning Wish in the deck. I don't know how you didn't get that. And, I thought it was uh, like an enchantment. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, wait, it, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm actually going to look this. Uh, the card's from Invasion, right? I, I was yeah. So, so just to yeah, fill out the lowdown while you're looking up the card. Oh, it's a um, sorcery. Yeah, the Discord d- decided that natural ordering for stuff while painter is in play is sweet and enlightened tutoring for so the idea is we're gonna we're gonna natural order for progenitus and then cars coalition victory while we have a dried of the elysian grove in play which i think we can enlighten tutor for as well and stuff it's it's just so many combos <laughs> um i i agreed to stream it and i promise i'll get nothing less than a 6-0 in the league oh um, you haven't streamed it yet we get so much not yet <laughs> yep I love the the point where, where where you actually you successfully natural order for progenitors and then you need your eight mana sorcery to resolve yes. to win the game. Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, I hope there's there must be Besage in the deck. I haven't looked at the lists completely because I said to them, "You lot, build me the craziest deck you can. Um, all bad cards is more preferred over all all good cards." And um, let's go. So I think it's a Yorion like ten card Monty monstrosity, and it's going to be pretty brilliant to stream um so yeah i don't think the list is finalized so if anyone wants to get in on this you can uh subscribe to our patreon <laughs> i'm doing the whole show thing now and um anyway jump in there and you get to make me play some incre- crazy pile but i will stream it soon so yeah i i, I guess the condition victory buyout is imminent um i'm looking at it right now it's 25 cents oh the original version from invasion is 44 cents so yeah if you want nice. to get those buy it now <laughs> i remember oh yeah yeah, I remember the building around that when I was younger as well, like proper kitchen table magic. But you have like eight of each basic lands in your 100-card deck, and then you just hope to get there. <laughs> actually, listener challenge, let us know what, what is the very first card that actually said you win the game? Like, not you lose the game, because I think there there were like a couple of those that we had in the past. Like, a Lich comes to mind as one of the very first ones. But what is the very first card that gave you like an alternate win condition in Magic? Because I actually, I actually don't remember. Like, I could look it up right now, but I, I, I'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, I I don't know either. So, yeah, sweet. So, But this is only the second craziest thing you've done, right? Because our... <laughs> I don't know what happened, but our show notes say ball lightning tribal and i've also seen people like in legacy chats talk about that you you should take a couple of days off work a couple more times because (laughs) there's some insane stuff coming off this you know how i mentioned yeah working melted my brain a bit so um it melted into this congealed puddle and for some reason i thought you know in legacy at the moment there's so much life gain going on there's food from oko there's the gain from um uh, uro that card and um yeah why not play some ball lightnings so with um, Modern Masters, Modern Horizons 1, sorry, we got a third kind of ball lightning, which is um, lightning skelemental. And then we also have the original ball lightning and we have groundbreaker, which is ball lightning, but color shifted to green. So now we have 12, <laughs> 12 ball lightnings available. And you know what's sick? You know what's better than two ball lightnings? Uh, so, oh my God, I screwed it up. You know what's better than one ball lightning? Two. So um, wow, that, was, that was really smooth, wasn't it? <laughs> so yeah. cast collected company. And hit two bull lightnings. How cool! Oh is god! That? Oh god! So you, you, okay, so you pay like four mana instant speed. I mean, it's gotta be instant speed, right? Ball lightning in the opponent's turn isn't that exciting. You can uh, do it end of their turn, I think. I didn't even think of that. Though. I was just casting main phase because I want to go smash. Um, 
So, so, so the deck was like almost all Rainbowland mana base, so City of Brass, Gemstone, Mines, and stuff. Uh, we had some Birds of Paradise in there. We had um, it's called Berserks. So, Berserking Ball Lightnings is pretty cool, um, just because you need like extra trample and extra bigness. Um, I found out the hard way that so in the sideboard there was three Steely Resolve. And that's a two-mana enchantment. When it comes to play, you name creature type. And all creatures that are chosen type have Shroud. Uh, so you can name Elemental, because all the Ball Lightnings are Elementals. So I played against Snow, and it was insane. I was Ball Lightning them, and they were like gaining life with Oko, and they had an Uro going, and they were blocking with stuff here and there. But then I'm finally attacking in for the win. They're at six life exactly. They have an Ice Fang in play, and I have a, a Ball Lightning smashing in. I have one mana untapped and a Berserk. And I'm like, okay, sweet, I'm going to trample over for five extra damage. And Steely Resolve gives Shroud, not Hexproof. So I couldn't Berserk my uh, Groundbreaker, and it was incredibly sad. No, (laughs) no. It was so sad. So uh, did did you play in a proper league, or or just like a couple of matches? Yeah, played in a proper league. Uh, So we ended 2-3, which is a lot better than you'd expect, but there's some caveats. So we beat... Oh, oh, there are. (laughs) (laughs) I would have never guessed. (laughs) No, no, of course. So we we beat, like, Black Red Burn. um, Got crushed, like, by Idol on game one, but then had some pretty strong draws. Like, the deck actually did some really good stuff. So also in the deck, there was Faithless Looting and Unearth and and a couple of Reanimates. Oh, dude, Unearth was insane. Unearth is sweet. Also, Thunderkin Awakener. This card is absolutely broken. Do you know what it does? I have no idea, but Awakener sounds like something it gets back yeah. something from the graveyard or so. Yeah, so it's a, a two mana, one in a red for a one two with haste. It's an elemental as well. So we played Cavern, so you can Cavern Elemental and cast all these creatures. And um, when it attacks, you return Elemental with power less than or equal to this card's to Thunderkin Awakener's power versus their toughness from the graveyard to play. So it's got one power, so you can return any of your ball lightnings from the graveyard to play and attacking. So it's a two mana one two haste that when it attacks you return a ball lightning from your graveyard and then it doesn't exile at the end of the turn you just sacrifice it so you can just attack with the same ball lightning oh, over and over this, again. This is this is like a a strictly better version of Dreadhought Arcanist, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly, <know>? exactly. <laughs> Why would you ponder I, I was when you can about ball like how Dreadhought Arcanist they, they should print one for creatures? Apparently they already did. Yeah, so um, that card was sick. I didn't have it in the original version and someone very smart in the Facebook chat said play this card and yeah, that was very, very smart. Um so round one, game one, I kept a hand of like it was so cool. It was like a couple of so, uh, a couple of uh, rainbow lands and Faith is looting, a couple of ball lightnings and unearth and the Thunder Queen Awakener. And before turn one they put in Lane Out of the Void. Match one, game one, and it was just Ah such a killjoy. So um <laughs> we got crushed by Crushed by uh, curses, round one. Round two, we come up against the Daddy, which is one of the best usernames on Magic Online. Anyone that plays Magic Online a lot in the Legacy Leagues will know the Daddy plays Dredge and very well. So um, we he's also a, a guy I know from England, so, and I've met him in real life, so I'm allowed to do this kind of trickery. But I did one of the best plays, I think, in Legacy, maybe, ever. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. It was pretty good. So I played, like, Turn 1, City of Brass, Birds of Paradise. No, no, sorry. I went, <laughs> I went mana, I went mana confluence. Faithless looting, and he typed something in the chat, being like, "Oh my god, it's a dredge mirror." And I discarded Birds of Paradise, collected company. And so he's he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" He does a faithless looting thing. Next turn, I just play another land and play a Birds of Paradise, and then on his turn, he dredges a billion guards and Cabal therapies me. So at that point, I type in the chat that if he hits, 
uh, let's let's make a deal. If he hits with the Cabal Therapy, I'll concede the match straight up. But if he misses, he has to concede the game. Um, <laughs> he very smartly said no. So I kept chatting and eventually convinced him to say yes. So he agreed to this and he named um, Risen Reef, which is a pretty good name after I've discarded some... I named Cavern with an elemental as well. So anyway, he missed and he conceded the game. And then game two, <laughs> and then game two, we lay-lined him. So, um, <laughs> so this is just <laughs> this so is th- how you do it. So this is one of the wins. Um, I don't know how often that kind of trick will work, but it was pretty fun. And then we we actually went to game three against both Snow and Delver. They were honestly super close, um, like really really close. Delver won because they had like three wastelands or something, and it just took it out of our sails, but. I know it was pretty cool, and there's some obvious things to be changed. So, watch out for more ball lightning streams soon. Oh, this is, this is actually is, is exciting. Um, is it, it's on your Twitch still to be seen, right? Yes, yeah. The the vod should be on my Twitch. So, but Twitch it's going to disappear after a while. Um, you you can technically like export it to YouTube or something. Maybe maybe we can find a way, or maybe you, you know this this needs to be preserved for for the afterward. Yeah, actually, <laughs> and to make people watch it, my puppy came in halfway through it and sat on my lap and gave me like a lick in the face. So. Oh, that's almost like cheating. <laughs> I know. So what else do you want? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I think I'll try it again a bit more. And yeah, maybe we can get some more puppies. Did you find a way to actually beat Plague Engineer? Because Plague Engineer on Elemental sounds oh like, God. like a nightmare. Um, there's four bolts in the deck. So, but oh, other- easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I figured Bolt is just... I mean, people play bullshit cards like Dreadhold Darkness and Delver of Secrets and stuff. So you kind of want it ready. And six plus six plus six is 18. And so you do need to finish people off after some bull lightnings. It's actually kind of cool um, in, in the way that you're never really going to lose a creature to Plague Engineer because your creatures are dead on their turn anyways most of the time. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I just remembered another really sad moment. Um, Snow, after that sad thing where I couldn't berserk because of the Shroud, I then got them to one life and I, I had a Birds of Paradise and a Berserk in my hand. And it's like, why oh, it... that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why can't it just give birds like one power? Like that's all I needed. All I needed. It, I don't know. There's probably like a lot of crazy tech that, that could go into a deck like that. So we, at the very least, we're definitely going to link the deck in the show notes, and mm-hmm. I'm going to link to your stream as well to to the BOD. It's only going to be there usually for I think your are you affiliate? I don't know. Probably. Uh, and... Don't know. Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> but it's only going to be there for either 7 or 14 days, I don't remember. So if you want to check that out, check it out right away. Um, I, th- I think my VODs have been staying around for like about a month. So I think I am affiliate probably then. Maybe you're actually partner. Like you're, you're like a big name on, on Twitch. Nobody know. knows you. You happen to sometimes stream <laughs> under your, you know, like XQC Shroud. You're like one person. You just like wear different, like you wear like a wig and, and put on uh, like some makeup. Nobody has realized yet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, how about you? Anything uh, interesting happened since the last episode? Uh, yeah, um, I had a pretty long call with my colleagues in Kenya today. And um, like you guys know, we reopened the hotel. But of course, there's still lots to do because we don't really get a lot of guests yet because of like this <laughs> whole pandemic you might have heard about. But we've used the time to improve the hotel a lot, lot, lot. Like I've seen some of the first pictures and bo- like chaw to the floor. Wow, wow. I'm nice. really excited for that. And my, my colleague today, um, they all want me to come to Kenya and basically like hang out there for a month to... Be- I've been there a couple of times and I've like every time I've been there it have, has given me so much for my work just in, in the sense of that you know what you're talking about and you know what you're selling and stuff and with the hotel in new condition I really really want to go like hang out in Kenya for a month um, but r- this is this is not the time right now so I mean 
once things get better and safer and everything i'm, I'm definitely like not only considering it i, I so want to do it good enough yeah totally go sounds amazing yeah maybe maybe you can do some streams from kenya <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> probably not but yeah um at least a ton of video content for sure so mm-hmm. that's that's something i'm looking forward to sometime later this year excellent excellent i mean i would i would love to go to kenya so let's get a uh everyday eternal goes to kenya thing <laughs> yeah dude it's just like a travel vlog <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the equivalent of every day to like all around all around the world eternal okay i guess yeah that's i'm not that good with, with names like i'm actually <laughs> happy that the podcast was named before i actually like i basically took over production of the podcast because this is this is one of the better names out there or we could do like every other week kind of eternal i love it i love it <laughs> it, uh, it really rolls off the tongue you know yeah. <laughs> hey, if you listen to the every other week, actually, like this, this yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're gonna make like a second podcast where we just talk about Kenya and Ball Lightning Tribal. Do like, is the, doesn't like actually have a name? You you, you gotta come up with yeah. like a proper. No, name. I did. It's got a good name, Ballroom Blitz. Because, oh, because <laughs> it's got lightning balls and it's blitz. So I thought it was yeah. quite good. Yeah. Dude, awesome, awesome. Is, is there? I, I'm still thinking about like ways to abuse that. Um, but yeah, Bers- have you actually successfully used Berserk? Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see, I see. That's enough of an answer. <laughs> uh, well, actually, one got forced. If that counts, okay. uh, yeah, that's good enough. Berserk can. I had four. It can definitely go down to two. Um, maybe, maybe none. It, it wasn't great. I'll be honest. Uh, and actually, I'll say I cast about four collected companies, maybe more, at least four. Two of them missed. One of them hit one the Birds of Paradise and one hit two Birds of Paradise. I didn't Coco <laughs> into a ball lightning a single time, but the deck is so good. We went two, kind of one, kind of three, four or something. Probably at least a 5-0 soon. So, um, yeah, watch out for Coco's hitting as well. Then we, then you know we're, we're in a good spot. <laughs> then we're talking, right? Yeah. Something that we are going to talk about today, um, we're going to dedicate this entire episode to the upcoming set, uh, what's it called? Kaltheim, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's how I pronounce it as a, as a term, and in English they would probably go like, oh, Kaltheim. How, how, how would you pronounce it? In German it's just Kaltheim. Yeah, that, that's the same as us, Kaltheim. That sounds pretty close. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's I think it's going to come out February 5th, uh, at least on Magic Online, as far as I know, um, in paper. I, I, I don't even know how they actually roll out sets in paper these days, because they are usually like a little bit delayed, right? Yes. I, I think it's actually sooner online. I think it might be tomorrow. <laughs> are you sure? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, that, dude, it actually might be today, because I saw somebody tweet that they are about to crack a bunch of um, treasure chests because yes. they want to get some Kaltheim cards. So Magic Online uh, has downtimes and updates on Wednesdays before new sets, which is today. So it's gone up already by now after the downtime earlier today. And with the new updates, all these new cards are in chests. It's just So they've basically uploaded the new set onto Magic Online, but um, you can't play in the events until tomorrow and stuff. But there are new cards online right now. Oh, you can't? Because the, the, the guy outside, he actually wanted to play in, in a couple no, of no, events. No. What I mean is you, you can play the cards in events, but you can't play drafts and stuff. So you can't buy oh, the packs okay. or drafts. So it. you can really only get it from treasure chests right now. Yes, exactly. So Damn like when, when, when Lurus came out, I opened like 100 chests to get one and <laughs> on the day that it came out on the Wednesday. I guess with Lurus it makes sense, right? Because you only need a single copy. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, true. 
I feel so stupid when um, Adosaro Shepard came out. I opened like a hundred chests or something until I learned it's like literally one in like 2,500 or something. Or, or, or was it like one in 5,000 because Wizards gave it like the rarest drop rate in the history of the world. Yeah, some like of the drop rates are crazy. Than, I don't know, Thunder Fury in, in vanilla World of Warcraft, if, if that tells you something. I, I have <laughs> opened one once though, so there we go. Oh, I think you're I, a powerful man. I opened 50 chests and got like 200 tickets. No. I, I made about 150 tickets on on them. That sounds but, like yeah. they were undervalued then. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just lucky. <laughs> awesome. So uh, as we go through this, I think there's a couple of interesting cards that could do something. Like there, There's more niche combo potential from what I've seen over here. Uh, yeah. It has very few cards that actually stick out as, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be a thing. Um, but it, it has those as well in the sense of that people will certainly try it and stuff. And, and then we'll see. Uh, we, we have compiled a list of a ton of those cards. Don't we just like go through it one by one? Yeah, exactly. So as as you say... I think a majority of these cards are not fantastic, but there is application for them and we could be undervaluing them. Uh, and it's just worth mentioning each one. So we do have quite a lot and a lot of them probably don't end up being there, but at least we get to talk about like what they could do and how you'd want to use them. Like someone else could have like seen it and think, oh, this I can see potential in this. At least there are some ideas to give out and stuff. So there is some cool stuff and the set looks really sweet. Like going through Mythic Spoiler to get these stuff... Um, I love the look of cards. I mean, I think most players' kind of expectations of Snow was kind of soured because of what Astrolabe and stuff did. But I, I absolutely adore the look of these cards and the mechanic. Uh, it's it's super cool. I'm excited to draft it especially because the draft mechanics around having to draft Snowlands is really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to play this. Oh, set, yeah, that, actually. Dude, that's something I actually learned from, from Twitter the other day. You you can't randomly put Snowlands into your deck. You You literally have to open them and pick them from... Yeah, booster pack. it's a really interesting thing because I like what they've done. In this set, there's a lot of commons and some un- uncommons that have... You can cast it normally as like a 5-mana 4-4 four, four or whatever, but then if you use snow mana to cast it, you get a reward for that. And so you get rewarded for drafting these snowlands, and the, the step-up in power level on these cards is worth taking snowlands in the drafts. And there are some with like activated abilities that can only be activated with snow mana. And so... What's amazing, in Modern Horizons, it was an incredible draft format, actually, one of my favorites of all time. And you take the Snowlands very highly because the payoffs are worth it. And you would even play off-color Snowlands. But then to do that, you sometimes have to like play more lands. And it just leads to some really, really interesting uh, deck-building decisions, in Limited especially. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Snow fan. My favorite part on Twitter about that was that one person said, well, actually, I've always just been putting random Snowlands into my deck and, <laughs> and they were called out on it and they were like, no, no, I've been doing this and it's okay. It's like, yeah, you've just been cheating. No, no, I've... I've <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's no two ways around it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but the, like that guy, he actually like he used his previous cheating as justification for continuing to do it it's like it's like i robbed a bank so why shouldn't i rob a bank again it's my right <laughs> wait wait yeah. you, d- you don't rob banks again you, you never rob a bank twice everybody knows that oh i've been doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> dude you, you you have a lot to learn maybe we can have some 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 burglary or robbing robbing guide yeah. primer <laughs> in, our, in our discord someday every day anybody in our, primer in our discord has actually like robbed a bank ever Let's find, let's find out after this. <laughs> I don't think they'll tell us. <laughs> uh, you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, back to magic cards, which uh, we, we do talk about sometimes. Why don't you kick us off? Um, we we do, as we say, we have a lot. Yep. So yeah, what, what would you like to start with? 
Uh, I'm going to take the easiest one for me because I have a lot to say about that. And that is Chespera Sentinel. It's 1-2 uh, green elf for a green mana. And here's the thing. It has reach. And it says tap. And tap an untapped creature you control. Add one mana of any color. So it's kind of like Birch Law Rangers. But it has summoning sickness. But it can also tap, like, non-elf creatures. So, you know, there's, like, trade-offs between all these things. This can tap, like, together with Wildwood Symbiote. But you can only really do it once because you have to tap the Chespera Sentinel itself as well. And that is so close to the card I've been saying for, like, five... Yeah, more like almost eight years that I've wanted in elves. That some people have, have been telling me, dude, maybe there's somebody at, at WotC listening. Because in the past, whenever I ask for cards for elves... They actually somewhat got printed, and <laughs> I, 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 call me a conspiracy theorist, but I don't want to go too deep into this, but I, I once received a message from somebody, and maybe I've talked about this, and they told me that they know somebody who works at Wizards who likes Legacy and Legacy Elves and stuff, and, and they, they have influence over what gets printed, and they asked me what Elves needs in Legacy. And back so... then, I... T- so you're to blame for Allosaurus Shepherd? Is, was that your wish <laughs> No, that, that's even more gross than anything I would have ever suggested. <laughs> but when I gave them info, like take make it like one or two years, almost to the point where I forget about it, that card kind of gets printed, usually like in a slightly worse version, because apparently I've been asking for too much. <laughs> and this has happened like two or three times now, to, to the point where I'm like, I'm really not sure. I really don't buy this. And I, I actually, I haven't responded to, to them in like quite a long while. But I mean, I, I've been pretty vocal about saying that we need an elf, an elves that has reach, like one mana reach. And I've been saying, okay, just print a zero one defender even, but defender wouldn't be too great with Kratov. But basically, a Lanova elf that has reach, which is, I think, not of like for mm-hmm. for the power level that we've seen in legacy uh, alana wives that has reached is not too crazy obviously it was would be like a strict upgrade over alana wives yeah. but yeah they printed this which is a one two um but also like the the, the mana ability is worse than alana wives and i think overall it's also worse than virtual rangers because a big deal of both virtual rangers is the enables glimpse chains and this one doesn't really because you can only use it once but this is so close, man. <laughs> this is this yeah. is really close. I I also feel like the summoning sickness kind of just knocks it too far. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah. Why do you explain what reach is important for in elves? Oh yeah, reach is important because you hit anything that flies. This is this oh. is just like <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's <laughs> no, the hard hitting thing we come for. Um, yeah. There's two things. Um, the one thing is Marut Large because when you play against these stack depth decks, it's always it feels like you're gold fishing. There's some interaction going on, uh, but overall it really feels like you're gold fishing. And if you if you had like an elf, even without Wildwood Symbiote, but with Wildwood Symbiote it gets absolutely crazy. But even without Wildwood Symbiote, you can just like fork Marut Large for a turn, and then usually swing back for the win. And if you have Wildwood Symbiote, then they gotta deal with the Wildwood Symbiote as well. Uh, otherwise you're gonna fuck them forever because it doesn't have trample. Um, I, I guess the Sichiri step still gets you, but I mean, I mean, that's at least one extra piece of the puzzle for them. And the other thing is, we can block Grizzlebrand and bounce it with Flywood Symbiote, and they, they don't gain life of the Grizzlebrand. So that that's a pretty big thing. And I guess the third thing is, we can block Delva or fuck Delva or whatever. Like, we mm-hmm. we have some way to touch the Delva, which, like, I'm, I'm thinking about this, like, elves are on the ground, they're trying to reach up to the Delva, and the other was like, <laughs> three damage. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think all those points actually 
like really legit though. Um, whenever I was playing elves, I felt like it, it was slightly unfavored because you both goldfish about the same speed. But um, if they get their combo on the table, it's you need to remember how much damage that Marat Lage token soaks up as well. They're going to block your crater hoof, which is like a good chunk of your damage getting through. So it's very hard to actually attack through the Marat Lage for lethal unless you're on the play and have a good start. So like you say, fogging a Marat Lage token is probably going to be the difference of, between winning and losing. And yeah, the Grizzlebrand thing, pretty legit as well, if you have the Wirewood. And Delver, like you do die to that Delver and then just like having just enough interaction to get over because... If you're not taking damage from Delva, Elva is almost always going to pull ahead with the card advantage engines and stuff. So if you're just able to have the Sentinel and keep Wirewood symbioting it and stuff and just gaining this like three life a turn, then yeah, you're going to win races. So I agree. The card is so close. Um, yeah. Do you think you would ever play it like in the sideboard or is that just too narrow? I guess um... you, you could play Run Foul at that point. That's the one that kills a flying creature? Yeah, like one green, it? one green instant target opponent sacrifices the creature with flying. Or sacrifices a creature, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I actually like this one almost better because it, it does make matter, I guess. elf and does stuff. And, and you can green sun for it, actually. Yeah, but, but I think I would probably like... like if, if I played something like that, I would probably play Moments Peace because it fox twice and it can't even mm-hmm. be discarded. Yeah, true. True. And it also works in the mirror. Like Moments Peace is one of those cards I've had on my F sideboard every once in a while and... I haven't been able to use it yet because I haven't had the matchups like that, but I think it's actually surprisingly close. And for those who've been playing for 10 years, they remember that three moments piece main deck used to be a thing in Legacy. That, that was a uh, funny little deck called the Truffle Shuffle. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Which was basically like Nickfit before it became Nickfit. And that deck, it really just played three moments piece main deck um, be- because it needed to stall the game and t- to a point where I could make use of all super expensive spells. And this is this is how we did it back then. We we basically had six fox in our main deck. That's, this that's, sounds that's like a deck that I would love, actually. I mean, I just love the name already. As soon as we're finished recording this, I'm going to go and look up that deck, the Truffle Shuffle. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, that's great. So, which cards, um, well, I, I don't want to say like, caught your attention but well or maybe something actually did catch your attention like properly there's a lot um we could just basically there's a card next to it which is another elf and so on the topic of elves we could uh, go through it this card is elderfang disciple which i love that name and i love this artwork as well it's a black card it's one and a colorless one black and a colorless for a one one creature elf cleric when elderfang disciple enters the battlefield each opponent discards a card um i don't think this is going to get there in elves but it's so close if it was green I'm pretty sure you'd play this, right? It's, yeah, it was... it's, it's such a good anti-control tool. Like, it's a slow anti-combo tool, but I don't know. It's, it's just a very good value card for when you can uh, bounce it with Wildwood Symbiote, but just not being able to green some Zenith for it is the, the nail, I think. Yeah, that, that's a big thing, right? Elves is so tight, I can't really imagine like playing four copies of this. And as a dedicated anti-combo thing, at two mana, it's just too slow, especially since the opponent gets to d- decide which card to discard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was green, it would just like be so sweet because it's it's kind of like a hate bear, but not really against combo. But it, it's something on top of what you already have, and it, you'd have easy access to it. And it would double against control decks. Yes, and yeah. it would be like surprisingly hard hitting against control decks if you, if you can do that. Like imagine you get him twice, and basically every turn you you run out of those cards pretty quickly. And we're living in a world where those decks there are using a lot of the cards from their hand as opposed to like when it was miracles when you went like i don't know terminus and treat the angels whatever um, i i float all my stuff on top with top um 
of course, Uru is the one thing where you're like, oh, they just cut it Uru. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's but true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a card that's. <sighs> yeah. You know, maybe I'm just gonna ignore that it's not green and just put two. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna eat my words. I'm not gonna put two in the sideboard. I'm, no, maybe no. I'm gonna just put four in the sideboard to annoy a bunch of people and to maybe get them to to not play control decks. But I mean, that's probably not good <laughs> enough. Um, that, no, but you're right. Probably... They, they'll just discard Uru and then the cards to escape Uru, and you'll get annoyed. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's worth mentioning that this kind of card. I think if it was green, that's the real kicker because you could just play one in the main deck and green sun for it in the right matchups, but um. The, the big difference is there. Like, it could even be one green, one black, so it's, like, a bit prohibitive to play, but you can make two black sources in a turn quite often. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was if it was mono green, then people would actually rightfully complain that uh, that green gets all defects these days. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> next fair. up direct damage. I think green actually had direct damage in the past in alpha or something, but uh, beasting, I think beasting. It's... Yeah, that was important. <laughs> oh, it wasn't portal. Okay, it, yeah. it, not quite alpha. Yeah, close enough. In speaking of cards in hand, uh, a card that caught my attention, um, especially because of the artwork, is Doomscar. Doomscar is a sorcery for three colorless and two white. Destroy all creatures. Very clean, like no strings attached. Destroy all creatures. And here's the interesting part. So you think, okay, five mana Wrath of, Wrath of God. Not even Wrath of God because, hey, you can regenerate. It's <laughs> <What is laughs> the most playable regenerator in Legacy these days. Thrun. Thrun. Yeah. Yeah. But here's here's the thing. You can foretell it, and that's a new mechanic they have where you can... It, it's kind of like morphing a sorcery. That, that's how I imagine it. It says, during your turn, you may pay two colorless and exile this card from your hand face down. Cast it on a later turn for its foretell cost. So the foretell cost for this one is one colorless and two white. So altogether, you're looking at five but it's spread out over two turns because you can't do it on the same turn. So you end up paying the same, but we know that, like in Magic, it's usually better if you pay like a small amount now and then another amount on the next turn as opposed to like the, the big five mana thing because that's that's usually like much harder to make work. And this is... I hope it doesn't catch on because... I mean, whenever I, I criticize miracles and, and all that kind of stuff, one big thing for me has always been that there, there used to be so many ways to interact and play around and have like a proper um, interactive game with regards to Wraths from from the, the I guess, aggro, quote-unquote, mid-range side. And one of those ways was this card. And I've always hated about miracles that this card didn't do that for you anymore. And mm-hmm. this is kind of another way to do it. It's, it's I like that... They didn't make Fortale playable like as an instant speed because <laughs> I I could imagine Wizards doing something like that. So it's not like oh your turn three mana Wrath of God GG, mm-hmm. but I I don't think this is horrible. I really don't think this is horrible. I'm I'm not sure whether Control decks are actually looking for this kind of effect right now because Destroyer Creatures isn't like the greatest thing in the like it, it has been a greater effect um, in previous meta games. But that right was exactly now, what I was about to say. Um, I don't think Wraths are just are really that good in legacy um from for their mana cost and like how easy they get just dazed or fluster stormed or something they're just more of a liability than playing more spot removal in my experience um there are some like meta games or creatures that make you have to play sweepers like uh, young pyromancer or trium nemesis spring to mind but um i don't know as we we're just talking about elves elves is insane at playing against wraths uh you often need something like pyroclasm or electricery or something to really get them something cheaper so um it's nice that you it it plays perfectly on curve it is a three mana wrath because you can do it turn two 
and then go into it turn three. And like that's the kind of thing that does like quote unquote play nice with the the free counter magic blue offers with force of will and force of negation, because you can afford to pay this two mana into three mana. So um, yeah, it's not bad actually. I, I've talked my after what you've just said and me chatting now about the curve of two into three. Um, I could see it being tried a bit. I think I think it'll eventually yeah. just like when wraths get good, people are very good at playing around wraths. There's so many cheap planeswalkers and yeah. res- resilient creatures and stuff. I think the effect is just easier to play around than than ever, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something I also like about it is that co- like proper control decks they usually don't do that much with their mana early on, other than casting ponder and like. They- I guess the only other thing that people sometimes do is like cast counter spell, but that's barely like at least right now it's not a thing at all anymore. But maybe it's going to become a thing again. So it it allows you to use your mana for something, and then always have the thing sitting there, right? You, nobody can attack with, nobody can put it away from exile. I, I guess there's ways to do it, but yeah, we, we don't do those in, in Legacy. <laughs> and I think Rift Sweeper or something would do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of uh, like from a control perspective it's kind of nice to know you have that thing there it's never gonna be touched by by the the aggro midrange deck it's i, I guess gadoctique but yeah we, the, it's interesting how we think or at least i think about in these categories but then i realized that gadoctique is just like horrible right now to the point where we don't even play it and like, <laughs> like combo decks don't care about it they just doomsday control decks yeah. don't care about it they just oko Teague <laughs> has not been like good in legacy in well over a year now tell us something that could be good in legacy Something that could be good in Legacy. Um, all right, let's go down. And I think Bind the Monster is one that kind of got a bit of talk. Um, so it's uh, one blue for an enchantment aura. It's an enchant creature. When Bind the Monster enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. It deals damage to you equal to its power. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its control, controls untap step. So this is some pretty efficient removal in blue. Um, it's it's not going to do the same job that stuff like uh, Source of Plowshares obviously does. But um, there's a host of creatures it doesn't really get, so it doesn't like stop Thalia because I mean the body is not the main <laughs> relevant part of that card. It's awkward against Maritlage because it's, it's a sorcery speed thing, but it does kind of deal with Delver, Dreadhead Arcanist, and Uro, and um, stuff like Knight of the Rokery if people are still playing that. Um, it's it's <laughs> an op- it's an option. Um, it's not going to be better than Bolt of Swords, as we said, but it pitches to forces, which is kind of a meme, but actually a legit thing to play a card that's... Remo- removal is so um, polarizing. Like, it, in the matchups, you want removal. You should want, you should want removal, like, all the removal. Uh, if you're playing against control, you, you, don't, you don't want this. So it's a perfect card to pitch to forces against combo as well. So um, being blue is a huge upside. And it's just one mana. I mean, there's also been, like, some mono-blue Delver decks that are... Uh, going around and blue green as we know is a very powerful color combination the reason it's never really done very well in like a delver shell is be- is because the removal has been lacking you have oko but you're still making three threes um so i think this just opens up some more options uh, you could see more blue green or mono blue um yeah what do you think yeah like you mentioned i think the biggest thing is that it doesn't turn off the the uh affect the static abilities of creatures like Thalia or even like this against Grizzlebrand is a little bit embarrassing I guess mm-hmm. um, even though we, we actually don't see a lot of Grizzlebrands these days <clears throat> I, I agree um, I've actually lost my fair share of 
games to mono blue devil last year uh i was always surprised that, that, that usually the deck is like it, it looks like a meme and then eventually they get tuning nemesis down and then they get you over a couple of turns or or even like um Frexian dreadnought which apparently is a thing in those decks <laughs> yeah. uh I, I don't really see any deck in legacy right now that wants bind the monster because you can just play another color and place out the plowshares but like you mentioned if it's just blue or blue green then this might actually be literally the single best removal spell in those colors now which i guess makes it worth mentioning right yeah i think so because until until this you have like vapor snag or pongify um not very exciting options <laughs> so uh <laughs> yeah i i think i think there's a chance we see it not in huge numbers obviously it's not like a premier card but yeah options are there okay let me move on let me go to to some card that's uh, <laughs> I, i'm not sure what it's gonna do for legacy but i know that it has some applications um and that's Tibalt's Tibalt's trickery. It's oh, yeah, this an instant, one. one colorless and a red. Okay, this is this is quite complicated. I'm just gonna read it out. Counter target spell. Okay, that's easy. Actually, it needs to counter something. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I already made it more confusing than I uh. wanted to be. Counter target spell. Choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards. Then exiles cards from the top of the library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast a card without paying its mana cost. Then they put the exile cards on the bottom of the library in any order. Okay, so this is basically um, polymorph, kinda for but for a spell, right? So the idea is you counter something. And I guess the middle part is just so that it's harder to set it up with like Brainstormer or, or anything yeah. that manipulates the top I'll, card. Let me, just, let me just rant about that very quickly and then we can talk about what the card does. Um, so the choose one, two or three at random and then you exile them and then you put them on the bottom of your library at the end. This is a really inelegant way of not making you shuffle your library because they're, cut, they're trying to cut down on things that shuffle your library. That's fantastic. I think... I mean, the, the game would be better without fetch lands, and we could go on about hours for that. But less shuffle effects is good. People get annoyed with too much shuffling. And yeah, you exile stuff to um, stop something like Brainstorm setting the thing up. But on a card like this, I just think it's so... Like, you you have to choose a random number, so you're going to roll a dice. A lot of people aren't going to have dice on them. Or you can, like, ask your opponent to sort something out. Like, how do you do this? Do you have random cards that choose it? Choose your number one, two, or three at random. It's already a bit of an annoying thing to do. And you probably can shuffle your deck faster than that. Then you mill, then you, you mill those cards or exile them. I don't know. It just adds a whole layer of complexity and something to do in time just to skip having to shuffle your deck. I think they should be willing to keep it in some cases like this. Oh, that's actually so so smart. I never thought about it because I, I think that shuffling, uh, especially for paper magic broadcasts, is, is mm-hmm. one of the worst things that they could have ever created. And by, by basically creating fetch lands, yeah, they, they I agree. made this a thing. But I just think they just, they just added like a huge extra layer of complexity onto this card to try and avoid just that. Around that. Yeah. Oh, that's actually interesting. I never thought about it like, like that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Front over. What does it do? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm... I'm I've only seen really one application for it, and that is something that Frank Karsten posted about. So basically, the idea is your deck has 53 lands, some variation of Tiger, and then mm-hmm. one copy of the Trickery, two copy of Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, and then you're like, okay, but how do I how do I like cast a spell, and how do I find my my T-Bite's Trickery? 
because you you still need to counter something that you play right and if you if you do that like how, how is that going to work and, and the, the thing that at least i saw frank carson propose but i guess somebody else actually came up with it but he, he ran the numbers on it is that you play four violent outbursts which is the green um basically colorless green and red cascade spell uh the effect is like your creatures get plus one plus or whatever but it's three mana so you play this you cascade through your entire deck you find the t-bolt's trickery and here's the here's the most elegant part you cast a trickery and because the way um cascade works the violent outburst is still going to be on the bottom of the stack so t-bolt's trickery actually finds something to counter it counters the violent outburst then you mill yourself for three or one, two, or whatever. <laughs> and then you find Emrakul and you get to cast Emrakul because it's the only other thing in the deck that, that has a different name from Violent Outburst. And he calculated that if you, if you construct the deck like this, one Trickery, four Violent Outburst, two Emrakul, 53 Tiger Variations, you have an 88% chance of hitting Emrakul on the third turn, which I think is still legacy playable. Um, it's... It's gonna be bad against you know. Actually, can't, can't spells. Really be... Yeah, yeah. The, the, that, of course. You can't. You can't. You can't put any other spells in your deck. Yeah, <laughs> so but I mean, the, your sideboard is seen some, some cheesy whatever yeah. all index and legacy before. So this is. I, I'm pretty sure I'll stream this at least. I'll play it in modern as well. It's really fun. It's it's probably not going to be very good, but it's a really cool idea, and I love these kind of. It's a thought experiment deck, right? Um, it's just a way to kind of push uh, what Garfield intended with the game to have a fun answer. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's actually it is legit powerful, and you can mulligan super low to that one that first violent outburst that you need. It does just lose to one piece of counter magic because they counter the trickery, and then you have nothing left in your deck. Well, actually, you have emeralds and and loads of lands. Um, so not <laughs> not out yet. <laughs> and then when when they're at sixteen life, you uh, cast your violent outburst and make Emrakul sixteen power. But um, the thing is, just, you can't even use procedure to do it because you're, you're casting trickery for free of the cascade. Yes, <laughs> and you can't use anything else like you know ley lines or, or whatever because those get countered no. as well. Yeah, this is this is I think the only way that we can like use this in a dedicated strategy because otherwise, like if you use it as a red counter spell, that's that's just horrible, right? So I, yeah. I don't see there's any way to make this work. Yeah, I'm even thinking like. Even Mindbreak Trap destroys the deck because you can't ever not cast three spells because the Emrakul is the third spell. So it's it's got oh. a it's got a pretty easy counter to it that any deck can do. Awesome. I will I will just add a little bit that um, Frank Carson did like a recount and he actually worked out that three Emrakul was slightly better than two. Oh really? Just I, I can't remember the numbers, but it improved something like because you less chance of drawing it, so you can go off and stuff. Oh, dude, dude it, it's over here. It's right about. I found a bug in my code. Turns out that. With three Emrakul and fifty-two lands, it's actually as high as ninety-one point five percent. How does the number of Emrakuls actually influence this? I guess you don't wanna. You don't. It, wanna... I think he's calculating in the times where he draws them or like exiles them with the random number of cards. Or, no, uh, but but those cards get oh, milled, so they get put yeah, back into, yeah. into into, and then you have to shuffle again. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Emrakuls. Yeah, making you shuffle anyway. So yeah, uh, I guess it's just taking into account when you draw them. That seems like yeah, a high sense. jump. But, I mean, yeah. if you if you run fifty two lands, there's a good chance that you're going to have three lands on the third turn. <laughs> I would hope so. I, I'm awaiting the memes where people say, oh, "I'm so unlucky. I played fifty four lands and I still didn't get my third land drop." Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I'm just waiting for it. Yeah. But yeah, this, is there any other application for the stack uh, for this card, or should we move on? I th- don't think so. I think we can move on. Awesome. 
we're awesome. going to find out it's going to break the break another format in another way obviously but <laughs> yeah um let's go to other kind of cascade trickery funds this is probably the card that's got the most hype from the set i think this is valky god of lies uh it's a double face card the second card is tybalt cosmic imposter so the first side is just for those that don't know about double face cards when you have it in your hand you can cast it as either side so valky god of lies is one a black for two one it's a legendary creature god when Valky enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals their hand. Each opponent exiled creature card they revealed this way until Valky leaves the battlefield. Then it's got an activated ability of X. Choose a creature card exiled with Valky with converse mana cost X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. So the front side quickly has some pretty cool applications. It's it's playable. It's a two mana two one. Uh, you kind of snag a creature from their hand and it's pretty sweet against uro because of the way you just like play it turn two snag uro from their hand and then turn th- turn three you pay three mana and make it into an uro so I'm, I'm pretty on board with that or like a dreadful darkness maybe or whatever um but the real key here is cascade spells so um you don't need to play something like uh the one we just mentioned i forgot the name already violent outburst. outburst but now you can play like shardless agent is the best one available to legacy because the way Cascade works is when you cast a card with Cascade, you reveal cards from the top of your library that has mana cost less than the the Cascade spell's uh, mana cost. So it sees Valky God of Lies, and then you exile that card, and then you can cast it for its, without paying its mana cost. So it sees Valky God of Lies being two mana, says, hey, that's a card I can cast. You then exile Valky, and then you're able to cast that card, which also includes the second side, which is Tybalt Cosmic Imposter, which is a seven-mana Planeswalker. So basically, if you cascade into this with Charlotte's Agent, you are able to cast the Planeswalker side. Uh, it's five colorless, a black and a red. For a legendary Planeswalker Tybalt, it comes to play, comes to play with five loyalty counters. As Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with you may play cards exiled with Tybalt, and you may spend mana as though it were a man of any color to cast those spells. So it's this like classic kind of red effect of taking cards and not drawing cards, but kind of close to it it's got a plus two to exile the top card of each player's library so that's where your emblem comes in you can cast cards from your library or theirs minus three exile target artifact or creature so pretty powerful and then minus eight is exile all cards from all graveyards and add three red mana can we just Um, call this the least powerful ultimate ability on any planeswalker ever yeah that is (laughs) i actually hadn't read it until i'm going through it now I just assumed it was like exile all creatures and all cards from me. That is terrible. <laughs> what on earth? I mean, it, it works with the emblem, but I, I, actually, yeah, that, oh, that yeah, actually makes sense. Yeah. Oh, okay, I, yeah. yeah but, all right. Uh, very, we're very smart. Very clever. Yep. <laughs> you know so what you I sh- like? They they give you the emblem because it, usually in the past, cards like this you would say um, they would just have a static ability, right? You, you may cast uh, cards exiled with this planeswalker. But once you lost control of the Planeswalker, you, you couldn't do it anymore. But mm-hmm. now they make sure, even if you lose your Planeswalker, you are still allowed to cast stuff from the from the Exile, I think. Which yeah, is, which like is a big thing. This is this is one of those effects that they're going to hang around forever. And yeah, yeah. that makes also the, like the, the ultimate ability a lot more attractive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other abilities are not super powerful. I, c- I could just be mis- un- mis- um, under- underestimating the plus two. So you're like, kind of drawing two you get to play something for your opponent's deck and something from yours and then going straight to seven loyalty. The thing that I question is like, I mean, I hate to say this, but when you cast a Shardless Asia and you cascade into Tybalt, is that better than Oko? <laughs> oh God, that's actually really, that's going to be a meme legacy for a while. Um, yeah. I, I think it's actually going to be better than Oko, yeah. Uh, yeah but, okay. but not by not by a lot. Not by a lot. That's, that's how I feel as well. 
you are still like ticking up to seven loyalty which is <laughs> one more than Oko. <laughs> <laughs> Under seven mana playing soccer, yeah. <laughs> you can minus three to remove a creature or you can plus one Oko, kind of. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty close. Um, but I like the fact that Valky, the, the front side is actually quite playable as well. It's not great, but it, it does something. So, yeah, yeah, it's certainly playable, especially the, the Oro interaction, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I love that so much. Yeah, totally. So I think we'll see. We'll definitely see people try and play this for shardless. Um, it does. It does put you into bug colors splash red because you probably want to have at least one red mana producer to cast Tibalt later, and then the front side of Valky is black and shardless agent is blue and green. So I think it's pretty restrictive on like four color kind of shardless shell, but yeah, it's cool. I think we'll see it. By the way, one more thing I want to mention that came, actually came up in our Discord was when people were asking, "What if I copy a delver with this?" So you, you play your Valky on turn two, you exile and uh, dive off secrets from the hands. And then on, on your next upkeep, you reveal an instant sorcery and actually kind of flips, but does it really flip into T-Bolt? And our friend Tom from Belgium, uh, attached to the rescue, he dug up the rules and apparently the way it works is that transformational double face cards, TDFC or something, they do flip, but since this is not a transformational double face card, but a modal double face card, they cannot flip. So if you if you use Valky to copy a Delva, um, if the you still get the trigger right, but the trigger does nothing, so mm-hmm. it doesn't flip into T bolt. So that'd be, this is that'd be one so of the most sick if it could. That'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we're we're close, but not there. Yeah, so sweet, but. Awesome. So where am I gonna go? Um okay let me let me move on to Ascendant Spirit. Ascendant Spirit is a one blue one one snow creature spirit. I guess snow is actually kinda of relevant for this. And this is this is basically the blue figure of destiny. So it starts out as a boring one one for one, but if you pay two snow mana, Ascendant Spirit becomes a spirit warrior with base power and toughness two three. So I guess it, it, it turns into a card ape. Uh, still, still not quite there. Then for three mana, if Ascendant Spirit is a warrior, put a flying count on it and it becomes a spirit warrior angel with base power and toughness 4-4. Four, four. Uh, that's that's kind of good enough now, but then it goes further. You got four snow. If Ascendant Spirit is an angel, put two plus one plus one counters on it and it gains whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So at the at its quote-unquote ultimate ability, it turns into a 6-6 six, six flying creature that draws your card whenever it deals combat damage. So <laughs> I like this card design. Um, I, I also like stuff like Figure of Destiny. It's also important to note that you need to do the previous transformations because it always says if a sudden spirit is a warrior, if it is an angel, whatever. So you, you can't just like jump straight to paying four and making you a six six angel. Unless you play arcane adaption. <laughs> or conspiracy <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> every bad card, every bad common legacy starts <laughs> yeah. with a conspiracy. True. But I kind of like this. The the one problem I have with this is that the deck that wants this kind of thing the most, which would probably be Rakdava because it's a lot more mid-rangey now and having like a mana sink in in this kind of card is great. This deck doesn't get to play snow cards. Like it's just a Dava thing that you can't really afford to play basic lands because if you miss out on casting something early on that you want to cast, it's just so devastating. So there's not really a way to make this work unless you play a bunch of Astrolabes, but you're never going to have four Astrolabes for the ultimate um, transformation. So... I guess this is another one of those cards that could actually be pretty good in, in Mono Blue Delver, right? Yes, yeah. So I agree with you that it's kind of got a, a split identity. So it's it's a fairly kind of 
aggro-ish, um, but like obviously power sinky, so you can you can afford to try and play this mid-rangey game. But as you say, the aggro decks very often can't afford to play all these slow lands apart from Mono Blue Delver. So I think the power level is just also not quite there. It's um it's just a bit too slow to make into something scary. A four-four is no joke in Legacy. Um, but you're putting five mana into it at that point, and in between then, when you pay the first mana to cast it, two to make it a two-three, and then you give a third like opportunity to bolt it when you pay three mana to make it into a four-four. Uh, the fact that it gets bolted, pyroblasted, fatal pushed, decayed, swords, everything's. Um, I hate the dice to removal argument, but I think here, when you weigh up like the the mana you put into it. It's 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 a bit too much of a downside to put the mana in. I do like the the creature type though. I think spirits is so close to being like a legit playable oh, archety- true, yeah, archetype definitely. in legacy. Um, again, though, it's got the same problem as Rugdelva that you said that a spirit deck is just not going to be able to afford to sink snow mana into it. Yes, but so. spirit deck isn't is banned colors, right? So that makes it pretty hard to to play. Yeah, snow. I think I, I think a straight blue white spirit deck with vile is. I know it's been a thing on my cards to try out more. I know there's been a couple of people in the leagues trying out spirits, and I th- I think the deck is there's potential. It just needs like a little bit more help, a tiny bit more. But yeah, this yeah. this probably isn't it. So I think yeah, Mono Blue Delver will try it and then probably not like it. Okay. Fun. Moving okay. on, we I'm gonna I'm gonna go into people hard here. Um, we're gonna talk about In Search for Greatness. This card was spoiled, and some people lost their freaking minds i think <laughs> some people lost their minds because they misread it i'm not i'm not targeting you i promise but even after like it being explained what it actually does a certain facebook group that starts with l and ends with eving a legacy um nothing it's the podcast love you guys but they the the group was discussing this card and they were like it's a free black lotus every turn blah blah <laughs> And <laughs> I saw a lot of comments, but I didn't see this that one. It's just, so basically, it's a two mana enchantment. It costs two green mana, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may cast a permanent spell from your hand with converted mana cost equal to one plus the highest converted mana cost among other permanents you control without paying its mana cost. If you don't, scry one. Cool. So let me just run down some of the things that are wrong. So the first things first, people just didn't read the other permanents you control, and that's fine. I it's. If you don't include that, then it does let you cast a three mana spell on your turn three after you untap with this, which I don't even think is very good itself, honestly. So there's a few things that keep me from that. One is, yeah, it does say other. So you have to have something else. So if you play a one drop, like an Astrolabe maybe, into In Search for Greatness, then in your third turn, you get to cast a two mana card. That is not good, obviously. Um it's also it's limiting to just one higher so you can't it's not or less so you can't have a oko in play and then you can't cast a three drop or a two drop or a one drop it has to be a four drop you cast off that and it, and it says the highest converted mana cost among permanents so if you have uh, something even higher you're just restricted to like never using it uh, if you don't you scry one um yeah the card is trash that that that's my little rant yeah, actually, you make a good point, right? If you ever cast some some of your higher end, which in Legacy is usually like three or four, then you're literally never going to use this one again, um, unless yeah. they like remove the card, I guess. Then there's a chance. But I, I agree with everything you said, right? Yeah. It's 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 also it's also in your upkeep, so it's just so limiting at, for a non-powerful effect. 
Yeah, and I think one of the things that often lead to mis-evaluating card, and who knows, maybe we are mis-evaluating, and like two months from now, everybody's going to shout for a ban on this one. I, I will actually, but, uh, I will actually stream myself trying to eat part of a hat if this card is insane in legacy. Whoa! Okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> the bat is on. Yeah, um, I think what what I think is often a thing when people mis-evaluate cards is that they don't think about the dynamics in the game and how this thing worked out. Because, like you mentioned. You cast this on turn two. Okay, so on turn three, assuming you had a one-drop, which you don't always have, you get to cast something for two. In which case, you would think, why didn't you cast that on the second turn already? Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. It, 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 there's no reason to cast this on turn two if you have something for two that you want to play. And usually the stuff you want to play for two, you want to play on the second turn in Legacy. First of all, like Dreaded Arcanist, but I guess Dreaded Arcanist is not a thing that would go into a Search for Greatness deck. I'm not even sure what would go into a Search for Greatness no, deck. I, I think this is it, just like a horrible birthing pot. <laughs> it has to be like a deck with just all one, two, and three mana permanents to help it. it sounds like the worst thing you could have. Actually, I, I'm playing Fs. <laughs> <laughs> play in Elves, you can play two drops. So if you have all the one drops in play, you can then put a Visioner into play. And then you go up to three if it doesn't. You, if you have to bounce it, and uh, yeah, uh, 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 it, should, uh. it should actually make make you draw a card whenever you actually get to use it. Then I would play it. <laughs> then, then it'd be a bit closer to playable. But, but I, back to the point, I completely agree that people see an effect and then they think the effect is powerful um, without thinking how games play out. And this effect says free mana and a scry as the floor. And it just it just isn't that like free mana is a powerful thing. We, we've seen that time and time again. Free mana is one of the most powerful things you can do in this game, and especially a format. But not at this cost, and not at this restriction, not not at this anything basically. Yeah, so, totally yeah. agree. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually going to happily delete it from our show notes right now. I don't know which one of us did it, but we really wanted to delete this one apparently. <laughs> uh, moving on, there I'm going to go with Blutsky. Is it actually Blutsky? Oh, Bl- <laughs> it's called Blutsky Berserker. Blutsky. Uh, it, it had like a like a Russian vibe for me going Blutsky Berserker. <laughs> the the favorite text is is who's next. So I think you're next. Apparently, I mispronounced the name. I'm sorry. (laughs) Dude, I wonder how often that's actually going to happen. The Blutsky person. (laughs) I I think once, and you've just done it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, okay. Too bad. So this one is a two mana black one one human berserker. So colorless and a black. And whenever you cast your second spell each turn, put two plus one plus one counters on Blutsky person. Blood <laughs> right, twice, twice, not just once. <laughs> <laughs> On Blood Skyverse, it gains, gains menace until end of turn, which means it can't be blocked except by two or more creatures, which basically never really happens in Legacy, I guess. Um, so this, when I first saw it, I was like, eh, and I'm still like, eh, but I think there's potential. Uh, once again, I'm not sure which kind of deck that would really go into. I think the the effect that you get to put two of those counters on it is quite powerful, especially with the Menace. So obviously you'd play it in a very aggressive deck, which you probably want to play this in some kind of black-red aggro burn kind of deck. Like The only other option would be to play it like in a cantrip-heavy deck, but I don't really see a cantrip deck really wanting that, especially... Yeah, that, that's not something I'm seeing happen. But in a black-red aggressive deck... There's a world, right? You go burn, burn, uh, and then you hit them. Um, it, yeah, it's not exciting, but it could be a thing, especially that, since red already is like a black starts having a bunch of like playable aggressive creatures. Mm-hmm. That deck it kind of exists. It's called Black Death, which is such a sweet name. 
Um, just like it plays like Monastery Swift Spear, and it, I think it's an old deck. Uh, the the it old, is very the much. old, the, yeah. I'm glad you can correct me. But it used to play, play Dark Ritual and things and stuff. But um, yeah, I could see that actually. Um, my my first instinct seeing this was a, an option to maybe play in a Delver deck with Cantrips, like you said. But I think the um, the decks just want to, like, cantrip decks can't afford to hold onto their cantrips to play off, so you've played their threats very often. Like, the, the games do play out that, that way quite often, but you can't rely on your threats to have that, um, to play out that way. So you can't open a hand with Ponder, Blood Sky Berserker, and then, like, two lands and think, okay, I'm not going to cast my Ponder turn one because I'm, I want to play at turn three. Uh, then you might miss out on finding a day is a force of will or a third land and you could lose to a combo deck or a wasteland and stuff like that so i, I think it's just a bit too restrictive on needing that second spell um so yeah i mean like a two mana three three is not legacy playable a two mana five five is it's just too unblockable at least for a turn pretty Cut, much like yeah. not exactly unblockable but if, if it's a five five and it needs to be blocked by two creatures you're already getting probably like card advantage out of it kinda. But, five, but five fives are already being blocked by two creatures or not being blocked because because just how That's like true. sizes are a legacy so you just attack this into like two two food tokens or something I, I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> to feel bad. okay i'm glad we mentioned it just because of the name but probably yeah, not good enough cool all right, moving on. I'm going to tackle Jorn, God of Winter. This is another one that's got some hype about like kind of snow-themed control decks and stuff. So it's another double-faced card. So the first front is Jorn, God of Winter. It's two and a green for a 3-3 three, three legendary snow creature god. Whenever Jorn attacks, untap each snow permanent you control. That's pretty cool. Um, so you can, like, after you've played it, you can, you know, it's like a sort of feast and famine-ish effect. You... Uh, like these decks have a lot of things to do so you can very easily like play this and then you can play the first half an uro attack untap your snowlands uh it also untaps like ice fan and astrolabes if that matters but i don't think it'll come up too much second half is so you can cast it as either side as again is caldering the rhyme staff it's one blue and a black for a legendary snow artifact and it has tap it you may play target snow permanent card from a grave of this turn if you do it ends the battlefield tapped um so it says play, which is important. So you can play lands from your graveyard, if that matters. Um, it also costs like Ice Fan Quattles or Astrolabes that would happen to get there. But these cards just don't get to the graveyard apart from the Quattle very often. So I don't really see the back half doing very much. Uh, I, it seems effective if you could just rebuy something every turn. But in reality, you don't get that. You don't get snow cards in your graveyard very often. And the front yeah, half I think... is is just not that powerful. Like it doesn't untap your jewels as well, so you do have to have all your basics, and then you're attacking with a three three, <laughs> and it's alive. And yeah, it's I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure why this card is in our show notes. No offense. <laughs> Did I put yeah. it there actually? <laughs> no, I put it there because because people are talking about it. There was again like really? a, a lot of chatter about this being like a good card in snow decks. But I'm not even sure for which side. <laughs> Yeah, because the untap yep. effect seems like horrible, honestly. Like yeah, you, you get agree. it once, and then a trade. At the very best, it trades with like a food token or something. Maybe I'm not yeah. even sure it would. Oh yeah, <laughs> because it just the gets, effect is not. It just gets great. turned into an elk, as everything does. <laughs> but I no. think I wouldn't. I wouldn't even bother turning this into an elk. Like whatever, let them have their untap. Um, I, I don't even care. That's true. That's true. So yeah. Um. All right. Nice and quick. We both think it's rubbish. <laughs> okay. Uh. Here's another one. Uh. Ryan Walker. Yep. Two colorless and a green creature shapeshifter. 
changeling, so it has every creature type. Um, it's an elf, that's the most important thing. It's a 2-3. As Rhymewalker enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library. So this is kind of like a glimpse of nature, really. Like, it's it's worse than a glimpse because it doesn't trigger off your wild symbiotes and, I guess, scavenging users and other stuff you might have in your deck. But you can glim- uh, glimpse some Senate. You can green sun Senate for this one and kind of have, like, your permanent glimpse into play, like a weaker version of it, of course. I, I don't hate it. I just think it's not quite good enough. I I think it's... I'm a little bit undecided. I, if, you, if you sign up for it, it's going to be a four-mana thing, which leaves you with... Like, you don't have really a lot of mana to, to use on the turn comes to the place. So you, you, you gotta untap with it, and then it can be okay, but it, it's really not gonna be that great, honestly. And we we have a similar effect in Beast Whisperer, which is the, the four mana version, and for that one, you, you straight up just draw a card when you cast a creature spell, and, and that's so cool, and uh, it can't be abrupt decay, which, which is another thing, and... I don't know. I think Ramwalker is not good enough. It's it's kind of there, and maybe somebody's gonna make a deck other knives to to. to co- I, I guess you could play it in the cobalt deck. I was oh, you've stolen my thunder. I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for you to finish. I'm like Julian, Julian. You're thinking about it all wrong. You're thinking about the inferior creature type. <laughs> Obviously, you play it with cobalts. Oh my god. God damn it. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah, elves. Who who plays elves? Have we just um, played zero mana creatures here? Yeah, I mean, we got the, the new Rock Rack, um, whatever it's called, the legendary one as well. Kobolds are the new thing, man. Um, joke aside, I think I think you're right. Elves, I can see, like, as you say, it's four mana degree and sun for it, and then it kind of taps you out. Then you can like play one or two creatures maybe, and then you kind of hit a land, you crack a fetch, you hit another land or a, a glimpse or green sun or natural order. Uh, oh, why would it Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to miss a lot more than you expect in elves. So, I agree, it's not yeah. good there. But um, watch out for our friend Jax. He's he's already thrown out some pretty sick realm weight walker cobalt lists. He sent me a aggro cobalt today, which is it plays glimpse as usual, and like crop for the guy. No, it's not not it's not um it's not Cheerios. It's Hydrable, as uh, we've talked about before. This amazing deck. So he's got um <laughs> he's got realm walkers and beastmaster ascensions main deck. So it's aggro kobolds. Kobolds is probably like the least aggressive tribe in in all of of magic. Oh, um, I, I mentioned this so before, much. but you know what my favorite kobold is? Actually, let me look it up so I don't get it wrong. That's my favorite thing is drill, drill sergeant. Yes, yeah. I was about to say the same. <laughs> so it's the one where all your kobolds are zero ones, and the drill sergeant gives them plus zero plus one. <laughs> So and, and what and what on top of, and he also like, and you know first what strike no trample trample yes <laughs> <laughs> so there's zero two tramples <laughs> you're like okay you you used to be a zero one but now you're a zero two with trample Level hell up. yes and just this is where beastmaster ascension comes in but yeah love it love it so oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the card is not great apart from uh, agro kobolds of course <laughs> all right okay okay let's go on to another one which um again like we said at the beginning of the show i think there's a lot of cards which is worth a mention just as an idea but not great um egon god of death is another double fist card i mentioned this because it's basically the front side is three mana two and a black for a six six legendary creature god with death touch at the beginning of your upkeep exile two cards from your graveyard if you can't sacrifice egon and draw a card um the back half is a legendary artifact for one mana at the beginning of your upkeep, Miller card, and you can pay two and a black and tap it to exile a creature card from your graveyard to draw a card. 
Um, I'm and it costs at... one mana at the back side, right? Yes, it costs one black mana to cast. So I'm looking at the front side. Um, it's got like Yotun Grunt kind of uh, XL claws. So you do need to kind of help it out. But we have um, some recent creatures that cost three mana and are in black for like dark ritual colors and are just huge. So we have Registral Alpha, it's three mana, seven, six, which actually helps Egon to like exile cards from a graveyard. We have this and we had another one that was in our last set review. I can't remember the card, but it was like you can sacrifice creatures and give it to your opponent and it kills all your other creatures and stuff. But I don't know, like there could be a mono black big creature stumpy thing. What do you think? It's it's pretty janky and um, you do need stuff to I keep think, it alive, but it's three mana six six is big. Yeah, I think the, the, the all these mono black decks they they would be they would do a lot better if, if their payoff had trample. Um That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can sometimes like you you suck up a little bit of the damage, then you chump block them like once or twice, and then you are often in a position where you, they don't really matter all that much anymore. Um, if they had trample, I think that would that would be a big thing. That's also like part of why for the gate was that great. Mm, uh, true. Dude, I, I wish that card can, can come back, but yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> probably not good enough for legacy anymore. We can ask to have Tom on again. <laughs> Tom just got sixty fucking trophies in, yeah. in legacy. Dude, I hey, don't even know what's going on. Hail to the king. Yeah, very, literally the king of legacy. And I think he's actually, <laughs> like, he's a little bit burned out from 60 trophies. I think he said he's, he's going to devastate Vintage now. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah, Egan, okay. um, I, I kind of like the card. Um, it, it's slightly worse than the Yachting Grunt effect, right? Because this one can only eat from your graveyard. It, it yes, doesn't eat yeah. anything else. Um, yeah. I like that it draws a card when you sacrifice it. I think yeah. that's what actually makes it even remotely playable. Otherwise, I think it wouldn't have been playable. I agree. Uh, yeah. So if it's a cool thing. It does. I think it just opens up some kind of, like, probably tier four, to be generous, kind of big black creatures aggro, dark ritual oh, dude, thing. Tier three, tier three. I'm calling it tier three. <sighs> very, very kind of you. <laughs> very kind. I mean, there's a lots of bad stuff in tier three these days. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> cool. Um, so I, I'm gonna pick an, our next card, Raven Form. That's a sorcery for two colorless and a blue. Exile target artifact or creature. Its controller creates a 1-1 blue bird creature token with flying. And it also has the foretell ability, so you can pay two colorless to exile it. And on one of the following turns, you can pay one blue to get this effect where you exile an artifact or creature and they get a blue bird creature token with flying. So blue never really had these kind of effects, um, at least not on, uh, on this scale of versatility. <laughs> Some, somehow this this is like the mono blue diver um <laughs> yeah. podcast now but this is this is like one of those decks that's actually getting helped out by this because right now in legacy you're free to play most of any colors that you really want so you you can usually opt for more efficient stuff like this but uh, in that kind of deck this could actually be a thing because uh, you don't care that much about the blue uh, bird creature token with flying it can block your diver or whatever like once but that's okay like given that you get the versatility of removing an artifact even even though which kind of artifacts do we actually remove in legacy these days now that umisawa's chit and stoneforge and all that kind of stuff isn't really a thing anymore i guess the most prominent one would be why like i guess you can hit astrolabe but I'm, i don't want to spend three mana and giving them a blue bird creature token just to remove astrolabe mm. so that's really only why chalice is still being played a bit bit yeah yeah uh i and think it's probably like really good against mono blue diver yeah yeah so um especially if like just hypothetically oko did leave the format at something at some point soon um chalice will make a bit of a comeback and this is the kind of card which is really good for 
Monobu Delva and Death Shadow, I think, is potential. Um, you, as Death Shadow, you don't want to give your opponent a 1 1, but previous cards that people played in these decks to beat Chalice are Throne of Geth, Khan's Touch, <laughs> Echoing Truth, um, Vampire Hexmage. Uh, like some oh, really, really janky stuff. I like Hexmage. That's very elegant. Yeah, because it, it kills Planeswalkers as well, which is very nice, which Death Shadow had a problem with as well. So that's pretty legit. But um, I don't know. I can definitely see Ravenform being played in Shadow. Like as a kind of two-off sideboard card, it's it's pretty versatile. The Foretell effect is nice. Again, it's blue, which Death Shadow actually has a surprisingly low amount of like pitch cards for Force of Will. So um, yeah, I like it. Okay, so we got that. Cool, let's jump on and cover a pretty quick one, Weathered Runestone. So this is kind of a bit of a up or downgrade or side grade for some decks from Graph Digger's Hit Cage, essentially. So it's a two-mana artifact, and it says, Non-land permanents in graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield, and players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries. Um, it's... The, the main thing here is it's it's really, really close to Graph Digger's Cage. There's like a little bit of a change where permanent cards in graveyards or libraries cut into the battlefield and Graph Digger's Cage is creature cards, I believe. Um, I just couldn't think of much that changes this. Um, Directors is one of them. And there's, there's probably a few other niche things, but I don't think anything is super playable, worthy, pointing out. But being two mana versus one mana is big for Chalice decks and like Soul Land decks. So I think this is the kind of card which I don't know if it will replace it in like Khan's sideboards, but it's the kind of card that may replace those kind of effects or see play when you couldn't play Graph Digger's Cage already. Yeah. Nothing probably, else to say. It's probably <laughs> like the, the, the next best thing. You, I, I've been in that position where I've played decks like that and I wanted some kind of graveyard hate usually. That, that, that's what it mostly comes down to. Yeah. And I felt like playing Cage is really, really awkward in those decks. And yeah, there was yes. never, there was never anything because you can't play uh, relic either or cage. And then Thomas Crypt being a one shot like just often wasn't enough. You wanted something harder, so this does feel actual a bit of a hole in in those decks. Yeah, and it also doubles against elves, which is like one of the most played decks right now. So mm-hmm. as opposed to like you know relic and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So true. yeah, um, it, it's something certainly a card to have in your radar when you when you're building that kind of deck. Yeah. Moving on, we 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 have another card that has sharks on them, so that's probably going to be amazing. Like the last couple of shark themed cards <laughs> I love sharks. have have been really good. Like see, you love, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I I certainly know. It's called Mystic Reflection. It's an instant, one colorless and a blue. Choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. And it has Fartel 1 blue, so you can exile it for 2, and then later on cast it for 1 blue. This, it's a little bit complicated, but it's cheap enough to consider for Legacy, right? I, I'm still undecided on how this is actually going to work out and, and how we're going to use this. Uh, do you have any any good ideas how, how we can actually abuse the Mystic Reflection? Yeah. Um, the card very importantly doesn't specify non-token which a lot of these kind of cards does do so it's pretty sweet with young pyromancer and uh monastery mentor assuming you have like more things to cast after that so you can choose the young pyromancer and then you can cast a spell you make an elemental that comes in as a young pyromancer you cast another spell uh, you make two tokens those both come in as young pyromancers and those uh, both come in as young pyromancers oh no the next time 
Yeah, it's 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 only yeah, one shot so thing, right? Because I also, so, I also misread it like that. Yeah, because I, okay. I saw people bring up mentor and stuff, and and I thought that doesn't really work. No, okay. Um, it, it needs to be a single effect that puts two creatures into play, right? To fully abuse it, like a, a collected company, by the way. I guess it's pretty sweet versus Merrill Age. Can you? Work That's that one out? thing that I was <laughs> thinking, right? Because it also yeah. can't be discarded and stuff. Yes, yeah, so you can foretell it. Can't be discarded, and then um, to, to be clear for anyone that doesn't get it is. Um, so you choose you have to have a creature in play from one of the sides so say you have a delver of secrets in play in response to them like trying to make a marital age by activating thespian stage or uh, vampire hex mage you cast this targeting your delver and then their marital age token enters the battlefield as a delver rather than a marital age so that's pretty cool um it's also a way that you can actually like deal with the marital age that they can't you know satiri step or not of this world or anything right mm-hmm. yeah totally um it just seems very niche and now understanding that it doesn't really work very well with the token thing just seems pretty bad because like this all of these kind of ideas as well are interrupted by a piece of removal very often which is so easy to do again it's the dice removal thing but like now you're having your creature die and your spell die it's uh and it's yeah, it's, it's a pretty niche effect as well like we're struggling to think of where it'll come up yeah, I think the it's once again the thing about versatility. Like you, you also get to kind of counter their planeswalker. You know, when you when you turn their the incoming planeswalker into, into one of your bad creatures. So the yeah. more I think about it, the more I actually want this. Like in a proper collector, maybe you you planted that thought in my head earlier in this <laughs> podcast. But you know, a proper collector company deck with noble hierarchs, uh, birds of paradise. So you, if your opponent plays something good, you just turn into a bird and. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you gotta shoot this one out before you actually cast the company, and then if your company whiffs, then you you basically wasted the yeah. This is just like too many moving pieces already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Legacy doesn't like a lot of moving pieces. Exactly, it can do some cool things. The tricks are sweet, and the tricks will probably like win the games where it's good. But I think they just don't come up enough. Awesome. Yeah. So what else do we have? What what do you cool. think is even close to seeing play? I've got a weird one. Um, this was completely not on my radar. It's called Dream Devourer. And I saw someone in the Leaving Legacy group mention it in Painter, which is took me a bit of a head scratch to work it out. And I thought it was actually really cool. So it's one in a black for a zero three uh, demon cleric. Each non-land card in your hand without foretell has foretell. So essentially anything in your hand you can cast for two mana. Um, until actually I should finish reading the card. It's foretell costs equal to its mana cost reduced by two. So you can put any card in your hand. Uh, uh, face down for two mana and then you can turn it up for its mana cost minus two so and then uh, it also says whenever you foretell a card dream devourer gets plus two plus so until the end of turn but it's not really the main reason um i people were suggesting the idea of it being a way to like kind of slow roll and uh, get out of bottlenecks of mana for combo decks so essentially and get away from like discard as well so you could foretell a painter servant you could foretell a grindstone and these kind of cards, um, opponent has to like respect and leave up mana for at all times. And then when you can have like multiple cards foretold there and stuff, um, then you can like play a grindstone, play a painter servant, play another painter servant, having grindstone up. And these are all for zero mana after you foretold them. So then you activate grindstone and they have very little chance to interact. I think it's too many moving pieces. Um, it could also be a cool kind of way to try in a storm deck of some kind as well. Um, but the same idea I, I think in the end it's going to be a thing that either people ignore its effect isn't very powerful 
but the idea was cool and i didn't want to just not mention it or throw it away I, there could be something better to do as well because storing up mana is quite a powerful ability i think do you see any any use for it i mean i, <laughs> I i'm seeing what you're saying i just yeah. think that's not worth putting out two mana zero three basically do nothing until you attack <laughs> yeah you're probably right you're probably right i just thought it was a cool idea um it was like not on my radar and i think yeah. a big thing for for painter also is the painter usually plays like with um, some soul lands and zombie lands and then they have red and now we're also like putting black into the mix um i mean there's been two color painter versions before and they made it work but they mm-hmm. also ended up being less reliant on the soul lands you know like the, the, the caleb job attack the blue red painter that he played for a while like yes 10 yeah. years ago <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but yeah, so, yeah. um Quick, quick i guess it's worth mentioning but it's i can see some kind of combo coming out of this but probably not in a stumpy deck yeah 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 i agree okay for, for my next card i'm actually gonna cheat because that's something that i almost wanted to cut but then you enlightened me and that's gonna be open the omen path it's an instant for two colorless and a red basically you can do one of two things but one thing that's never gonna cut my up is creatures you control get, get plus zero no sorry fuck i'm gonna fuck it up so this card actually lets you do one of two things um let's cover the one that's never going to happen first does creatures you control get plus zero plus one until end of turn do we actually have like a proper established magic terms for that kind of effect i think there it's, should it's, be an it's the violent it. outburst effect <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 uh, is, is it really there must be <laughs> no i don't know anyway yeah if, if, if you know if you know what what, what we should call it creatures you control plus zero plus uh, plus one plus zero there should be a name for it anyway so the reason why we're talking about this card is Add two mana of any color and two mana of any other color. Spend this mana only to cast creature and enchantment spells. So basically, this is this is a ritual from three mana to four mana. And you think, yeah, hmm, that, that that's me, right? Um, but then Caleb actually enlightened me why this card could actually see play in Legacy. So Caleb hit us. Yeah, so it's kind of it's awkward in some ways, but the filtering is important for lots of combo decks. So you can add two colorless and then like two black mana. You can cast a Balustrade Spy. Unfortunately, you can't like cast and activate an city Informer, but um, there's a possibility that you play some kind of red-based rituals um, in Oops or Spells. That that was basically the talk of the town. Jax was mentioning it a few times and saying this is good. I don't know if... I, I'm not an expert on the deck. I don't know if moving into red rituals is a good idea. You get Rite of Flame, of course, as well. And there's there's, there's actually a bunch. Like, is this card better than the Seething Song? It is better if you're trying to cast a Balustrade Spy or like an Alluren, I guess. But um, it's it's quite restrictive to creature and enchantment spells only. But um, the, the filtering is a, is a nice effect for these kind of decks, so it could slot into a combo deck to be I've seen. played Upsa spells a couple of times, and um, getting the correct kind of mana, like the black mana, has been a thing, because you, you have so many initial mana sources, but they're not really black. But this one i mean your other initial mana sources uh yeah that there's like ways to make it work mm-hmm. um i think the deck yeah the deck doesn't really play mana force right but you, no. you could play mana force in this one um this at least like filters like seeming spirit guide into the black mana you need yeah so could be like a thing for for all you you I, I guess all the people who would call themselves oops all spell players they they already <laughs> have this card on their radar anyway probably yeah <laughs> okay so what else do you Next do one. you think is i mean at this point we're moving into into the realm of re, almost reaching um yeah. but the, there's still some some stuff out there that Just could be two. interesting so i want to give a quick shout out to magda brazen outlaw 
This is a dwarf berserker. It's a two mana, two one, one red. Other dwarfs you control get plus one plus zero. Cool. Dwarves are nice. Whenever a dwarf you control control becomes tapped, create a treasure token. It's kind of cool because dwarves have a lot of um, uh, vehicle synergies, like you can play smugglers, copter, and stuff. So whenever they tap to crew something, you get a treasure token. Then you can sacrifice five treasures, search your library for an artifact or dragon card, put that card into the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. This effect is really powerful. Um, just some of the things you can get are like Blightsteel Colossus or Shivan Dragon. <laughs> or um <laughs> or, or both assisted quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean Shivan Dragon's at the top, obviously. Or Bolus Citadel. Um Bolus Citadel might not go in a deck with dwarves and treasure token making cards. But um you could just throw a blight steel into your dwarves deck. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, I, I, I've never <laughs> thought about my dwarf stack in the first place, so I, I didn't come to that second conclusion. Well, shame on you! Shame on you! <laughs> um, I, I think I think it's a really cool janky card. I think people have tried to make kind of dwarf decks work, and um, obviously not the best decks, but I think I think it's cool. Nice. Are there kind of, any kind of dwarf effects that that are like you know like birch rangers or heritage druids where, where you can just like bunch a bun, uh, tap a bunch of random dwarfs that don't really have tap mm. abilities because like when you attack with them they are probably gonna die. Um, but when you can just like randomly tap them for other effects, that's that's like almost a thing. Like we, we probably need like a like bunch more dwarfs, like twenty or something. I mean, to, there, to there make, is a dwarven like a, recruiter. Maybe we can find a combo with this. Oh, is that like like goblin recruiter and you get to stack your deck? Yeah. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. for some reason, uh-huh. that one's not banned in Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goodness why. So, anyway, a uh, quick shout out to this card. It's pretty cool. I think people could try and make some fun dwarf decks. Okay. Um, so, I, I actually want to talk about two cards because they're basically going into the same kind of deck. Um, I th- yeah, let, let's just start it off. The, those cards are going to be Rana the Ever Watchful and Vega the Watcher. Oh, actually, that, that, that really works. So much watching. <laughs> so, Vega the Watcher is a legendary creature bird spirit for a colorless, a white, and a blue, 2-2, two, two, flying. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, draw a card. So, be- before we move into Rana, let's just talk about this one. This one obviously goes into Food Chain. So, I mean, if if, if it actually ends up going into anything, then, then it would be Food Chain. The the idea is, because you get to recast your Griffins from the Exile all the time, you basically draw your entire deck once you get to that point, and you should be able to win from there. And that's that's just like one part of the puzzle. The other, Rana, the ever watchful, is a... Okay, <laughs> this one's a mouthful. <laughs> Uh, where do I start? It's a four mana, two three flying vigilance. It's two colorless, a white, and a blue. The first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell. We just ignore that. Like we don't care about that. But the second part is the thing. Whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanence from the battlefield, create a one one white spirit creature token with flying. So this also means when you, when you exile your griffins for the food chain, you end up getting all these spirit creature tokens and. Yeah, if you have Vega, you also get to draw your deck. Um, the thing is, I think actually it was like Peter Funderham who brought this up, right? That's where I saw it on Twitter. Um, I think it could be like a thing that people do. The problem is that Food Chain already wins, right? You, mm-hmm. you like not the card Food Chain alone, but um, if you have Griffins and Food Chain and and uh, Ballista, that yeah. already wins. And this is not really adding much to the deck because when you look at those cards um you always try to evaluate these cards outside of the combo like how good are they going to be outside of the combo and 
there's not really much there, right? No, so they're not fantastic. I, I guess runner makes you make a one-one white spiritual token when you use Farcifer because you access something from your hand. It's pretty cool. But even that for a four mana creature, like uh, no. come on. I, I, my problem with these two cards is they, as you said, they don't add anything to the deck that the deck didn't already have, and they are. I think they are just worse win cons than what you have available to you. So Vega the Watcher, when you have you when you're going off with things, you need to have Vega in play from the beginning to draw your deck. Um, alternatively, the other win conditions can be either Hydrocrasis or tre- uh, Trinket Mage to search for Blister or the Blister itself. These cards you can cast after you've made all the mana with Food Chain. So your opponent doesn't get like a an opportunity to interrupt your kind of payoff that you just cast at the end. So already all the options are pretty significantly better there. And then Rana, you get infinite 1-1 flying spirit tokens, but the same problem it has to be in play when you're going off. So... Um, I think they're then just... you you have to pass the turn right if you want to win just yeah, for tokens. Yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> I think bad. I think both are quite significantly worse than stuff like a trinket mage or more blisters and stuff. They are, they are like a, still a payoff and you need to have these payoffs in your hand when you do go off. But I assume these are replacing other payoffs. So um, yeah. But hey, Vega has really cool artwork. It's like a big owl with shining eyes. Dude, this set overall has like a lot of awesome artwork. It really I, does. I, I kind of dig the style, yeah. and also like I don't, I'm not a fan of when they change the card frame. But the ones they did here, like I don't know how to even describe that kind of thing. But you know when they they use the alternate card frame for for yeah. a bunch of these cards, they it actually look looks pretty cool. Oh my god, the the um the sagas are incredible. I almost put one <laughs> in here just so I could gush about it at the end. Nothing to do with the text. <laughs> um, so now I get to do it. The the sagas are beautiful. Um. I was pretty skeptical of like the whole frame when they first came out with sagas, but yeah, you can tell I like them. Yep. So moving They're on, sweet. moving on, I'm going to cover Glimpse the Cosmos. So this is a pretty cool one. It's a two mana sorcery. So one in the blue. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them to your hand. The rest in the bottom of your library in any order. Um, not particularly good. Like in Legacy, we have access to Impulse, which is obviously a lot better. So look at four and get instant speed but as long as you control a giant you may cast glimpse the cosmos from your graveyard by paying one blue rather than paying its mana cost so you get a mana off if you cast glimpse the cosmos this way and it would put into your graveyard exile it instead so pretty cool that you can cast this card from your graveyard and from mana less just a shame that can you think of any giants that are played in legacy julian <laughs> um it, it, now you're actually making wonder isn't oro isn't oro a giant <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's i guess that's the only really one that's seen play um i i know that when i first saw this card i was actually thinking about um Jotungrund, which which is oh. kind of funny right because Jotungrund also <laughs> has kind of like that snow theme going on even though only in the artwork really mm-hmm. but that that also used to be kind of a thing in, in the blue-white mid-range decks that we used to have in Legacy. And then, like, for a very short moment, also once got them back for, like, a very hot month and, and Lurus <laughs> was around. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, of course it did, yeah, uh, with the, the kind of blue-white tempo thing. But um, Glimpse of the Cosmos, it's pretty cool. Like, filtering is always a card, an effect that's good in blue decks, obviously, because you're trying to find the right tools at the right time. Um these decks don't need help with filtering when you already have an Uro in play, though. That That's pretty much it. Like <laughs> You could go um, more self-mill-heavy approaches, so there probably is something which isn't looking to cast both halves of Uro just to flash it back. Um, this is a really cool card to use with, like, Dak Faden, for example. Like, can you imagine, like, discarding this in an Uro, then you escape the Uro, <laughs> and then you, then you glimpse off it, 
Oh, you're telling me you have your three mana planeswalker in play and you just like successfully resolved your Oro and now you get to cast this for one mana. Or actually got to cast it from your graveyard. Yes. (laughs) Have you ever met a blue player that isn't happy with everything they have? Yeah, I I know one particular (laughs) blue player who's probably going to be super excited about that kind of card. Shoutouts to Marcus. (laughs) Yeah, true. Although Marcus is, he's not a huge fan of the Oro. It's too easy, he says, so. Oh, oh, okay. That's, so why, thought, uh, that's why he plays StarCraft the way he does. <laughs> <laughs> I need to learn what that way is. Yeah, you, you should actually join us someday. We, we're actually like all super horribly bad at StarCraft. That's perfect. I'll just come and yeah. crush you. I'll play it for the first time. <laughs> the test the test of Glimpse the Cosmos is going to be if Chase tries it, because he's deck fade and, and you're rowing, so we'll, we'll see if he likes it, I think, is the test. Hmm. Another one of those of those Strife for Pirate cards. Yeah, you love them. <laughs> Okay, so here here's a card that I think could have been incredibly good in Legacy up until we got, I guess we need a word for like the, the, the fire power surge that happened because I think Cosima, God of the Voyage, had a lot of potential and still kind of has, a, like, let's say it like this, I think a lot of people expect bans to happen in Legacy some, at some point this year, um, we don't know when, but I think Cosima... I don't know, this kind of excites me. It reminds me a lot of Aeon Chronicler. So what it does is it's a legendary creature god, two colorless and a blue, two four. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Cosima. If you do it, it gains. Whenever a lands enters the battlefield under your control, if Cosima is exiled, you may put a voyage counter on it. If you don't, return it to the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters on it. So basically the way it works is you run it out, on your next turn you put it into exile and then all your fetch lands basically draw two cards. Kinda. I mean it's very slow but it's going to be incredibly powerful with regards to how many cards you're actually going to draw off this like in a very short amount of time. Assuming you get to hit your land drops which you usually kind of do in these like control or mid-rangey decks. So... It's almost like a ticking time bomb. Your opponent knows, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like the, the longer the game goes, this is this only going to be more powerful. And when it comes back, you also like you don't cast it, so it's can't even be countered. So it's kind of hard to interact with, even for for the opponent. So I, I don't know. I want to be excited about this card. I don't mm-hmm. think it really has a place in the kind of legacy that's going on right now. Um, but. In a, we're already like talking a lot about the, the way legacy is going to look in the future, right? And I think this is this actually would be insane in, in something like a miracles mirror if you get to survive it. At, like, yeah, it could be cool. It needs to survive for a turn, right? That's a big thing. Four is a very nice toughness. Um, again, because there's a lot of three threes around, obviously, and lightning bolt and stuff. So I do like that aspect of it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a strong effect. It's very slow, so it has to be it has to be in a in a meta game where that where where you can afford to be that slow. Because it's like, um, it, you play it, the next turn you exile it, then the next turn you draw the cards. That is pretty slow. Yeah, but, but that, you, that, then you already draw three cards, assuming you have two fetch lands. True, true, yeah. So and that, you don't need to pay mana for when it comes back. It can't be pyroblasted then. Like that, that, That's a big thing, right? When it comes mm-hmm. back, it's not being casted. Like If your opponent wants to do something to it, they need to do something to it the turn like they get before you exile it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I kind of like it. You can it. also hit it off Collector Company. <laughs> oh, now we're talking. So we're going to put the, the shark card and then this. Oh, it says non, non-legendary, but yeah. 
Um, yeah, it just reminds me so much of Aeon Chronicler, which used to be a thing in Standard back when I played Standard, and Aeon Chronicler was insane. Aeon Chronicler was basically a card that you suspended, and you got to choose like for how much you suspended it, and every time a suspend counter came off it, you drew a card. So it was kind of like this, like a passive draw engine. With Aeon Chronicler, you got them like one by one. With Cosima, you get the one-time big payout. Yeah. This card does have another effect. Do you want to yeah, it, it has like a backside, like with a yeah. ship and dolphins, which like I there's no the dolphins artwork. in these waters. Like, oh my it doesn't God. make any sense at all. Maybe they're dead and that, that's like the frozen corpses. Well, there's probably a story behind it. His, the ship, the Omen Keel, has on the sails, it has like a picture of a dolphin. So it's like, and on the front side, on this on this version, it has him, Cosima, next to a dolphin, God of the Voyage. So he must be friends with dolphins. That's why. I like that we don't even talk about what the ship actually does because, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the the ship is not bad, actually. It's a two-mana legendary artifact vehicle. Uh, it's a 3-3 three, three when it's crewed. Uh, it has crew one, so it's pretty small. So it's quite nice. Um, whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles that many cards from top of their library. You may play lands from among those cards for as long as they remain exiled. So not cards, but lands. It's pretty cool flavor-wise. Like, so this is a, a voyaging ship. And it's finding new lands. I really like that. Not a great every card. Every other turn, it loses its captain, and it's got to find a new captain. I, I guess the creature <laughs> doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta say that I love, I love the way they've designed. Like they've got more legendary creatures into this set, but they've got around the the problem of drawing too many of the same legend by having both mm. sides. It's very cool, clever. Yeah, it's something um, Mark Rosewater has actually been working about for, I think, five or six years now that he thinks legends are, like, the legend mechanic is one of the worst things to ever be created in Magic. And to, to the point where I remember a point in time where he talked about getting rid of the concept of a legend in Magic at, like, entirely. Which, of course, in Legacy, people were like, oh my god, four Tabernacle and a land stack? What the fuck? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're probably never going to do that um, just because I think they found, like you mentioned, good ways to make the Legends work. And I think the concept of a Legend is still like pretty flavorful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would love it. Like, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to change things. But I agree. I, I like Legendary creature types. I think it adds, it does add a special feeling to them and stuff. Or some people said you could make Legends more powerful, but you can only have one in your deck, which I think deck building flavor wise is way cooler but you'd have you'd have to make this card so strong and then they'd like be super swingy and stuff so i i wouldn't hate it i I wouldn't even say you need to make it super strong it's 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 kind of like you decrease the number of copies you can like we we have this arbitrary number of four like of any card we can really have other than like a couple of exceptions and when richard garfield was actually asked about why he chose four he just said because it's like a nice number it sounded good Mm -hmm. i know that in other card games um for example netrunner it's three and i think the fewer you have the more varied but also of course the more swingy gameplay can be especially Mm -hmm. if like there's huge differences in power level um, I, something I've always enjoyed when I played Dual Commander was that the games were so different because everything was different. And yeah, I, I would, I I would think... love to see this game with three rather than four. I like it's obviously super deep and there's a lot of problems and and things it fixes. But uh, yeah, I think it would make it a lot more varied and cool. But you still have the same consistency to kind of build around and stuff. But it's it's probably a pretty deep subject with a lot of other problems yeah. I'm not thinking of as well. Problem I'm wondering about is how this affect affects sales, and you, you know because when mm-hmm. you know you need four of a mythic, it's much harder to get. I think than like is it really harder to get than four different ones? Like, but but the other ones might not even be mythic. But if there's like one powerful mythic and you need to get four of that, 
that's somewhat harder than to get you know like one mythic and then like two rares and an uncommon that you might play in that spot mm-hmm. it's true it's true i guess they just have to make more powerful mythics <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder how many years until we get our fifth kind of of um rarity what's the next uh, uber, oh uber mythic moving swiftly <laughs> onwards i don't want to talk about such nightmares <laughs> i'm still not over mythics um right we've got a few cards to cover left so i'm going to tackle what was touted as one of the snow hate cards because people were rightfully worried that you know in legacy and modern we have a thing where it's just kind of correct to play snowlands um because you want to bluff Ice Fang Coatl a lot of the time, or you want to, like, if you have Snowlands, you could be a control deck very easily, but then you actually, haha, I'm a combo deck. <laughs> so it's been generally accepted that you, you need to play Snowlands, and I've been quite vocal about my dislike for it, because it means you can't play your Sweet Basics anymore. Um, I just play my Sweet Basics in paper, because it's not worth that at the smaller events. But um, online, it kind of puts a... You do, you do lose equity there. So with this new set coming out, people were saying that this is now going to affect Standard as well and Historic and Pioneer and everything because there's there's snow payoff cards. You need to bluff everything. So they've said there is going to be a snow hate card which is kind of playable in the set. So this is their snow hate card. Um, It is Raydane, (laughs) God of the Worthy. Or is it worthy? So it's another double-faced card. Three mana, two and a white for a 2-3 Flying Vigilance. Snowlands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. And uh, non-creature spells your opponent's cast the converted mana cost four greater, cost two more to cast. Um the backside is a legendary artifact for four mana, three and a white. If a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent one of that damage. Whenever you or another permanent you control become the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, cancel that spell or ability unless it's controlled pays one. So the second half is not particularly exciting. Like you would probably play it if you have the Raydane out already, I think, or in some specific matchups. But the Raydane, three mana, two, three flying vigilance, and then like Stolanti to be tapped. That's not the card that we were really hoping for for the eternal formats. I I will just say that the card I think is actually strong enough and easy to play enough to actually discourage standard decks having this this cost of always playing Snowlands. I think the 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 um, ability to bluff is a lot less in that format because the payoff cards might not be as strong or like there's only one red green deck so you can't bluff other things so I think the card will actually turn off what well, I'm gonna guess will turn off the snow stuff there but in legacy and modern this card is nowhere near good enough and I don't think it'll do anything yeah how, how do you feel like there's only like one deck in Legacy that would even consider this card, Death in Texas. Yeah. And I think we talked a lot about the subject of h- how they could design something that might inhibit people from, from playing their Snowlands. This is not it. Um, uh, I, I don't want to re- like repeat everything I said in the previous cast, uh, but basically we need something that's more broadly applicable and it doesn't even need to be like a major effect. Like Snowlands coming to play is already like quite the big effect, right? Mm-hmm. They can make something less powerful, but it needs to be more widely playable and on a card that is good by itself against non-snow decks as well. Uh, whereas this one is really only like, I guess, a two, three flying vigilance, and we don't really cast four mana cards in Legacy anymore these days. That that's like not a thing, at least not <laughs> non-creature four mana cards. Yeah. So. Oh, well, this card is not going to be played. That's why we will keep playing Snowlands and Legacy. I agree. Okay, cool. Yep. So, yeah, moving on to, to the last part that we had in our section about, like, you know, 
cons cards to consider at least, and that's Pyre of Heroes. And I'm not even sure why that one's here. <laughs> <laughs> My fault. It's an artifact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In case you haven't already guessed. <laughs> but you know, um, it's Pyre of Heroes. It's an artifact, two colorless. You can pay two colorless and tap it, sacrifice a creature, search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with a sacrificed creature that has converted mana cost equal to it, plus one. Uh, put it on a battlefield, then shuffle your library, activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. Now, here's the thing. Why do we have this when we have Birthing Pot? Well, it costs a mana less to cast. and um, it It's is not more, as painful. It is not as painful, which is it's it's a real thing. Um, because a lot of the decks that play Birthing Pod are green, and so because green creatures are so good to pod into and stuff. Um, this is the kind of card that could play my where my my mind when it was still stompy. You could sack like some of the one drops into a Ravager, or like the two drops into the um, the three mana that sacks an artifact to search for a construct, uh, like. I, d I think it could be a kind of cool one-off to put in these still stumpy decks. You don't want to draw, ever draw more than one of them, but one of them is find it and like sacrificing creatures in decks with modular and stuff is kind of cool. So um, yeah, I think any decks with access to green or with like proper creatures up a proper curve will play pod, but being two to cast and two to activate as well, like plays perfectly with their soul lands and stuff. I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm, I'm actually sorry <laughs> to, 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 to be like so hard on this card, but I think the yeah. one thing that really kills it is that it has to be the same creature type, right? That, that yes. makes it so that you really can. I guess in Steel Zombie, a lot of stuff is like construct, like you mentioned. I think they almost all are constructs, so that's where, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's like that, that, that's like the elemental of of colorless cards. Like every time they print something in, in colors, mm -hmm. and everybody's like, "What the fuck is this?" Because it's just like it's an elemental. You, <laughs> you wouldn't understand. Yeah. It's just like and in colorless cards, that's that's always like a construct. It's a construct. Like whenever you look at old cards and you know it has errata and it's probably something else. Now it's probably a construct. Yeah. For green, it's probably a beast. And yeah, yep, yeah for for the other colors, it's, it's an elemental. There's some, there's some dinosaurs and some nobles hanging out as well in the errata fields, <laughs> but um. <laughs> Yeah, that was a quick mention at the end. I thought it was a cool ability. Uh, could try it in some cool goblins deck, but yeah. You oh, might goblins? Well... Yeah. Oh, now you got you, you have my interest now. Dude, I wish we could activate it without paying the two. Yes, yeah. So I mean, we could, but then we get disqualified. Like, go goblins <laughs> decks can make use of soul lands quite well. Like, some, some of the oh, turbo mux decks do play already. Dude, you do this, like, you get your Goblin Matron out, and then yeah. it has done its work, and then you turn your Goblin Matron into a Goblin Ringleader? Exactly, yeah. It's, it, oh, it, now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, like a, it's like a little birthing pod. Like, if you have this in play against a control deck, like, the control deck is going to be like, dude, fuck my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, this it, is like a Goblin Planeswalker, almost. Dun, 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 we got him, folks. <laughs> 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 we got him. Cool. So I'm yeah. actually glad we talked about this now. Cool. Yeah, it's. I don't think you'd play like more than one or two, maybe in these decks, and you don't. But the thing is, these decks like um, still Stompy and Goblins don't need to build around any further. They have the creature types already. They have the curve pretty much built already as well. Like it is just a pod, in, in a way again. But the life to, the life is relevant, and um, you don't need to be in green, obviously. So I thought it was cool. Awesome. So now I'm actually looking forward to seeing this in action. Goblin, goblins <laughs> yeah. just like, is there anybody in Legacy who really hates Goblins? Like, I don't know. I think Goblins, is, like whenever Goblins is doing well, Legacy is kind of healthy. Yeah, whoever designed Plague Engineer, but that's the only one I can uh, think of. 
yeah, I, I don't know about that kind. Maybe you know, eventually the power level is going to rise so hard that everything is. It's, it's, okay, so I was thinking maybe the power level is going to rise so hard that one day everything is just going to be two toughness by default. That's like where you start out. It, mm-hmm. And it reminds me like of hyperinflation, right? You, you you could have some issues with anything, but once you get to a certain amount of, of inflation, you're like, okay, whatever, dude. It's, well, it doesn't matter. Funny you say that because I put together a list of a few cards at the end to talk about if we had time, but they're all terrible and we're not going to because they are legit bad. But well, those are the terrible cards. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now you said that, I just have to point out that Battlefield Raptor is one of these cards because I wanted to talk about bird tribal and legacy, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> um, I want. Have to I pay- told you the story about the famous bird streamer? No. Go on. Um, I'm actually going to throw that in there um, before we talk about the battlefield raptor. Okay. One of the biggest Twitch legends ever, and it's it's one of the, those few things where you literally had to be there, and otherwise you, you will never know. But I, I beg you, people, if you've seen this live. Hit me up because there's a very small community of us, of people who have actually seen this. It happened around 2014, 15 at best, like probably earlier, maybe even. I was at work watching Twitch and there was this dude. He was basically naked. You, you couldn't really tell because he, he was just like show, only showing his upper body. He was wearing shades. He, he was playing some kind of crazy music, like a lot of beats per minute and stuff. And he was just sitting there streaming Legacy Bird Tribal. Nice. And he was just going on like, yeah, yeah. But he, he didn't really say anything. But he kept just like kept playing all these birds. And, and I think there's a couple of lands that like boost your birds and bird interactions. And he was always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And naked bird streamer is what <laughs> I dubbed him. And he was literally gone half an hour later because he was basically kind of naked. And like probably like <laughs> totally naked. And that's one of the most surreal things I've ever seen on Twitch. Naked bird streamer. And... Uh, we do believe that one day he was going to make his glorious return. And I was about to say, have you heard from him again? But sounds I, like I don't even know who he was. Like his channel disappeared. Amazing. <laughs> flew out into the heavens. Yeah. So to, to cover the quick thing. So you said that everything would be power crept out and like have an extra toughness. So Suntail Hawk was used to be, well, it is a one white for a one one flying. And now we have Battlefield Raptor it is one white for a one two flying first strike. So um, there's your power creep and toughness creep. I just had to point it out. We're, we're yeah, seeing this is it. This like we're Thunderwolves it. and Suntail Hawk having sex, and and that's what you get out of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> just so I'm gonna. Build... This is really good against ball lightning. It's true. Holy shit! It's oh over. My god. You, you've come it's to over. <laughs> oh my god! Why did I mention this card? Battlefield <laughs> Raptor is the death of ball lightning. Yeah, you heard it here first. That's actually pretty flavorful because if you if you get hit by like lightning mid air, you don't really die, right? Oh yeah. I don't really want to try it, but can I just call out also the the artwork on this card? Everyone look up Battlefield Raptor. It's just like it's got that like super Americanized action movie <laughs> flying away from a, a massive explosion. It's so cool. It's just no fucks given at all. Just flying away. Yeah, I can actually hear the bald eagle, eagle screech. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that is a badass bird. And with that, I think we're, we're pretty wrapped up. Um, if we miss any, I'd love to hear if people think we missed a, a potential playable. As well, scrolling through, there are a couple more. Um, just quick read, like, there could be some overpowered card we missed, but I think we, we got quite a through, went, went through a bunch of them. So, but yeah, yeah. If, if, if any of you make a broken combo deck especially, hit me up. I want it. 
<laughs> yeah, I bet like two weeks from now we're gonna hear from Eradicator Valkyrie um, that's gonna <laughs> yeah. dominate Legacy, and we're like, oh, dude, how did we miss <laughs> oh that? Oh my god, it's the new breach. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, if you if you want to help us get smarter, there's there's many ways to support the podcast. One of them is leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You've probably heard about that one before. <laughs> it's it really helps us out with like just visibility things that gets people to you know they go on apple podcast they're like hey legacy podcast and then we want to make sure that like something like everyday channel shows up and not something about i don't know there could be like some history themed podcast about the legacy of every day's people lives and and fuck those guys we, we want our podcast to show up we, we <laughs> want like action magic podcasts so if you want to leave a review on apple podcast very much appreciate it other than that you can also support us on patreon.com slash everyday channel basically keeping lights on here helping us with the production of the show and if you want to follow us on social media, there's at EternalMTG. And it says plus guests, but we don't have any guests today, at least none that I know of. So that's where you can find um, us. Callum, where can people find you? Where can people find your crazy ball lightning streams? And where are you on Twitter? Yes, yeah, so um, those are the best places. Twitter is WhitefacesMTG. And Twitch is Whitefaces, no MTG. <laughs> okay yeah. if you guys want to find me i'm at it's julian 23 on twitter and it's julian on twitch so with that i think we're gonna close it out here shout outs to our eternal witness tier patreons tommy hinks trent browers testacular and our longtime grizzle tier supporters victor benatz bachibat scott monroe kurdish aliste jeremy gates henry Korkutz, and tom hepp i actually i pretty much know all of those names by heart now like i, I don't nice. need our show notes getting it down all right <laughs> ne- next show we'll just do like winging it all no show notes for anything uh, awesome awesome so if you want to show up um hit our patreon hit our discord uh there's some madness going on not only in the food channel but also apparently like in the in the coalition relic uh, maybe we should just like rename the, the deck building channel to that <laughs> coalition victory was it not relic. oh yeah no, coalition relic actually coalition relic is a much better card we don't wow okay i'm kicking <laughs> off this cast Dude, seriously the discord is not going to be anyway. happy with you everyone in the discord, discord we're going to raise up against julian and this is horrible to say that it's better card anyway. maybe maybe we should like make an action poll what's better coalition relic or, or coalition victory has anybody in magic ever won with coalition victory i'm not even sure i'm probably like 12 year old me did <laughs> does that count wow <laughs> it might it was might. Awesome. <laughs> callum a, a magic player at 12 yeah. okay so that's gonna be for for us for today we're gonna see you back again in february when the world's hopefully like in a much better place right now and uh with that have a great time good morning good evening good afternoon and see you in february bye bye ciao